I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Tell Me Your Tales podcast. Thanks for joining me. Um, wow, last week's episode, Tim O'Berg. Uh, things kind of got pretty uh, pretty busy. Pretty popular show. Thanks to Tim for sharing it with all the park runners around Australia, putting it, putting it in the newsletter on their Facebook page. Things certainly uh, blow up a bit, which is, yeah, it's a, good, it's a good feeling, knowing that so many people are listening to your work. I think we came in at about... 35 on the uh, iTunes health charts, knocked off a few big names, and um, yeah, I think we're down to about 31st with the most popular show at one stage there, so uh, quite surreal and quite humbling to yeah be in that position, so thank you to all the people listening out there. This week's show, Troy and Benny Walker, uh, Dr. Troy Walker, sorry, I should have, uh, I should have said that at the start there. Uh, and Benny, Benny's been on a couple of times, musician, we use his song at the opening and closing for this podcast and the inside running, and um, yeah, Troy, such, well, and Benny as well, so much knowledge these boys have, Troy's a chiropractor and a nutritionist, just knocking off his masters now at the moment, uh, also works for Monash University, so has so much knowledge around food and health and exercise and um yeah, all those kind of things, which is pretty pretty awesome just to sit with him for two hours and, and talk about all things health and fitness. Uh, massive long show, it goes for about two hours and 15 minutes, but yeah, hopefully you enjoy it and yeah, really appreciate you download the show and the boys for giving up some time again. Time goes super fast with these two fellas and the conversation just keeps rolling. So um, yeah, definitely let me know. Send me an email at bradytravel at gmail.com if you're into these longer shows. It's what I want to start getting into a bit more. We had an amazing setup in my kitchen with the, you'll hear the quality, the uh, the microphones were real Fanningham ones. Betty brought his good singing microphones around. So um, yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed and I'd be really interested to hear your feedback. Thanks guys. Enjoy this episode of uh, Tell Me Your Towers with Dr. Troy and Benny Walker. your tails uh the most serious setup that we've had to date we've got uh three three really good setup microphones and um troy and benny walker first cousin duo to also come on the podcast welcome boys thanks mate thanks for having us thanks very much mate it's a pleasure it's uh the listeners will know benny has been on two times before but uh troy welcome first time on the podcast and looking forward to picking your brain for the next 
well, we're not sure how long this is going to go for. We've got a few beers and it could be uh, <laughs> 60 minutes or two hours or, yeah, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, welcome. Thanks very much, mate. Uh, thanks for inviting me. What I usually get the guests to do straight away is uh, get them to introduce themselves. So yep. if you want to tell the listeners who you are, feel free to do that in any way you see fit. Sure. Uh, yeah, just uh, so I'm I'm born and bred here in uh, Chuka. I was actually born in Shep and uh, moved here basically at six months of age and family's all from this area. And um, yeah, basically have uh, loved living at home, loved, loved being in a Chukamoma basically and uh, had to move off to Melbourne for quite a few years to study um, a few different things and um, sort of found myself in the health field after a bit of tossing and turning with what direction I wanted to go in in year 12 and, and finally uh, picked a bit of a sweet spot with probably, if anything, preventative health would be the area I would look at um, as an interest, a passion. And uh, and so I suppose my my two more recent ventures have associated, have, have really been around um, uh, sort of manual therapy, health sciences, um, you know, chiropractic. So that was something that I still get to do part-time now, but uh, practice full-time for quite some time in my earlier years and have sort of stepped away from the full-time practice into more of a part-time practice mentor role um, with young Aboriginal boys um, through my local Aboriginal org, which has been a hugely rewarding experience. And uh, and within the past probably two years, I've picked up a real sort of fire for nutrition, nutrition science as well. And I sort of figured that, you know, essentially everyone has to has to eat. So if we can sort of make some, some better choices in that domain, then you know, maybe if I can give some people some guidance, no matter who it is, um, that'll really help. And, you know, that's kind of led into a bit of research work that I'm doing now with Monash Uni, which has been fantastic. I've got some really great mentors there. And, and yeah, that's, uh, that's basically the crux of where I'm at with sort of vocation at the moment. And yeah, loving it. So knows his stuff about health, Benny, and looks good. I don't like, yeah, you, you can tell this guy, uh, is a very healthy human, <laughs> even though we're sitting here drinking beers, but very healthy <laughs> human being. And uh, yeah, that's probably the main reason Benny and I have been talking about trying to do this podcast for a while and hooking it up and just trying to better our, better our own knowledge about health and what we can do to, to make things better. But um, yeah, take me back to the, to the beginning. Like where did this kind of passion for health come from? Yeah. I don't know. I, I I can't really pinpoint it. If I if I would really think of it an an emotive um, incident, it was probably you know back in you know nineteen ninety six actually. I probably remember this vividly because it had such a strong emotional tie. When um, uh, our Ben and I, our pop Archie, he um, suffered it from a heart attack. So we I took the week off school and went up to hospital with my mum and my nan, and we sort of sat at St Vincent's for the week while he had his operation and his surgery and. Um, just sort of seeing what those guys had had done to kind of, you know, bring him back to the to the Archie that we sort of knew and loved, and um, how that that success went. Uh, it sort of initially made me think of heart surgery, and I thought, well, that's a pretty massive uh, leap and yeah. takes quite a, quite a bit of time. So I kind of steered clear of that. And, and uh, as I sort of grew up more and more and came into secondary school, I realised had some really cool mentors in. Um, in the in the manual therapies field, so you know, I had a really great teacher um, that sort of invoked me to think a little bit on my feet and challenged me a little bit. Um, 
and probably driven a little bit by you know you know sometimes great insults last a lifetime so you remember you know my year nine science teacher had always told me that I should just stick to sort of sports and activity because I'll probably not do very well in academia or in science and and uh that if anything kind of drove me to to sort of I, I suppose go down that path and pursue it even more with with more zest and uh, more passion and it sort of led me to the, my first uh, few years at uni where I, I sort of just looked at the health sciences and some great teachers along the way there. I had a really great mentor in town here that's, uh, you know, a good friend of mine, a bit older. Um, you know, shout out to Mark Pierce. He was uh, he was a really big um, conduit in helping me, giving me the confidence to think that I could do it. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden I, I was out with these degrees thinking I don't, I don't even know how I got here um and I'm, all of a sudden I'm practicing and looking after people um at an awesome clinic um in my own town so it was kind of just a cool spot to get to yeah you come across as a guy that really loves to just learn though like I could see you just you know head in textbooks and watching youtube videos at one o'clock in the morning <laughs> from like health professionals you know is that is that a pretty good summary that's a pretty accurate description um you know last two weeks being the summer break like I can't recall the last time I've actually um, not been able to pick up a textbook or a research paper or, or look at a, a blog or learn something new from somebody. Um, I think there's always something exciting and um, I, I just kind of find that idea of uh, being comfortable is in a certain situation is sometimes um, I look at sometimes as a lack of expansion. So I try to keep nourishing my brain or my body in a certain way to to keep expanding in some sense and um, that definitely is a pretty accurate descriptor of me but the last two weeks outside of you know starting back and and getting into into things full swing this week has been uh, nice because I literally did nothing Um, I I literally sat back ate a lot of food caught up with family friends um, had beers and but that's important though isn't it like it's because you can't work at that level the whole 12 months, whole year round? Oh, I don't think so. Well, some people maybe can, but I definitely know that I'm not capable of that kind of thing. I need my TO and my break and yeah. it definitely helped me. So. What about you two guys growing up, Benny? Like, were things pretty competitive? I could just imagine mm. in your family just uh, a few a few scruffs in the backyard <laughs> at Christmas time and stuff. Like, just, uh, you know, that kind of alpha male kind of <laughs> with amongst you boys? Um, well, my brother and I are like 18 months apart. And Troy's almost exactly in between those two ages, so he, and he was like our our other brother basically. So we um spent heaps of time together as kids and like so many memories. And um, I remember uh, Troy running over my brother Andrew on a motorbike <laughs> one day. Um, you know, numerous sleepovers and um and Troy used to tell us uh, pretty good ghost stories too. He had a pretty good imagination and. It was always we always loved going to Auntie Vic's because Bumal was um, allowed to have all the the naughty food that we weren't allowed to have, which is <laughs> hilarious that the field he's in now and how super healthy he has turned out. So I guess uh, um, there's something to be said. People think freak out that kids are eating uh, mm. <laughs> maybe not so spot on, <laughs> but I think that was maybe we were getting hooked up because we were visiting too. Auntie Vic was. Pretty good to us. Willing to spoil yeah. her nephews. Wasn't yeah. like that every yeah. day of the week. <laughs> no, <laughs> probably not. No, it was like you know she was pretty. She was pretty flexible. You know, I'll, I'll be honest. But uh, mm. no, there was definitely more volume when 
yeah. when these two boys came around. Yeah. 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 yeah, and they had just, monster appetites. That hasn't yeah. changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And probably yeah, the fact that we could eat, you know, at the age of twelve, we could probably down a large pizza then anyway. It was mm. Probably quite seen there was just an abundance of food, it's just because we were big eaters, and she was, you know, obviously trying to show that she loved us and didn't want to let us go home hungry. <laughs> but um, we played in like a few sporting teams together. Um, I played a lot of cricket. I remember Troy played a bit of cricket and and footy, but Troy was an amazing basketball, is an amazing basketball player. And we kind of, I feel like um, we kind of all had a sport. Andrews was obviously football and um, I loved footy and I suppose there was some talent there, but I sort of dug into the cricket a lot more. And um, yeah, Troy was into his, into his basketball and played representative and state. Yeah, right? for a while there. Yeah, yeah state, yeah. so... Um, Going back, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were lucky enough to be on the same team um, most yep. of the time. You know, there's obviously we play a bit of ball in the driveway and stuff like that, and definitely there's that you know a, a few tantrums and stuff like that. <laughs> Always gets a bit heated amongst um, brothers and family and stuff. So, yeah, all healthy stuff. We all just pushed each other in every yeah, yeah in every way. And yep. sometimes probably to uh, the uh, Probably freaked our parents out a bit. We were all pretty daring when we were younger. <laughs> Andrew was the worst, but we yeah. were the older ones, so you couldn't let the little bro out, do you? So. <laughs> <laughs> you had to go home. So, yeah, that's interesting, though. So, maybe we'll go to Benny now about what... Because the listeners will be interested in your update. You've done a bit in the running world since the last time we spoke. I think August you were mm-hmm. on last time. And then, uh, yeah, Troy, I'd be interested to get your opinion on what physical activity you know you're reading about this health and fitness and stuff and knowing sure. so much about now but what does that mean in your actual life but benny over to you struggled at the yeah. beer mile last week oh right <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it should be a, a beer marathon i'd probably be better off <laughs> i could drink for 42ks maybe um yeah definitely struggled with the beer mile I, I i had myself pipped a bit better than that but uh hey at least you were there i turned up i got third <laughs> What'd you come? No, I come yeah, fourth. That's right. Um, Detroit anyway. didn't even rock out. He was, <laughs> yeah. I was scratched. His wife and his, gra- his parents-in-law were there, but that was... Uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, that's uh, another story. <laughs> um, but no, I really enjoyed the running. I think um, last time I was on was uh, during and post... Uh, before, during and after the uh, Melbourne Half Marathon. Mm. You, uh, you ran along with me and you were cheeky enough to make phone calls and... <laughs> Send text messages whilst I was just slugging my guts out, and you were, yeah, doing it pretty easily. But did you? You hadn't broken twenty minutes. Yeah, you had just I before had, yeah. then. Yeah. yeah, but we didn't speak about that on the podcast. The last lengthy podcast we did with you, you were still a okay. plus twenty minute guy. Yeah, yeah, it's a whole new world this side of the twenty minute mark. <laughs> <laughs> nah, um, so, yeah, so, so I, um, yeah, I, I, that was the initial goal for me when I got. Back in or got into running, I've never really been into running. Well, you said that in the very first podcast. You're yeah, like, yeah I, wanna, I don't know if it was on air or if we were yeah. sitting at the same table and you said, Yeah, I'm think I've read Born to Run. Yeah, I want to get into running and hopefully I reckon I can break 20 minutes for 5k yeah. if everything goes right. Yeah, and um, you know, we I managed to do that. I think the last week leading up to it, I was back and forth with you and you were just like, Mate, you need to back off because I was kind of going super hard, <laughs> yeah. just trying to ring every last um kind of bit of uh, value i could out of every session and every day and yeah. you're like you need to like stop training tuesday or wednesday and just turn up saturday or like you know did a couple of light runs or something like that turned up you towed me around which was good of you and uh i tried a couple of 20 minutes no, oh the first yeah. time you ran yeah, 20, I, yeah. Like a PB, yeah yeah and then um i um 
hooked up with you. We went and did a long run out um, Barma in the in the sand. That's right. Yeah. And I was super hungover, and I'd never done more than like 14k or something like that. And yeah, jumped in with you guys, um, severely dehydrated, <laughs> and um, we did 19k and um, got through that all right. And I think I got in the car. I reckon I could do a half marathon. You're like, mate, you could easily do another 2k. Yeah. And um, I went from going, oh, I'll probably try and shuffle along at five-minute pace to then 4.45 to then 4.35. And then I think I ended up averaging out to like 4.31 or something like that. Wanted to go under an hour 35. Did that. Um, and then I did another half marathon three weeks later down in Portland. That's right, yeah. And uh, came second, which was pretty <laughs> hilarious. Straight to the podium. <laughs> Debut podium. Yeah, that was Got, great. Collected my little. Uh, it, um, it was like a single burner that you plug into your cigarette lighter, like a like a stove element. Yeah, right. So if you yeah. go camping and stuff. Yeah, I'm sorted now. <laughs> um, and then I kind of, I think I emailed you because you'd been doing my uh, my program for me and helped yeah. me out with some sessions. And I said I had a few goals. I wanted to try and break 19 minutes before the end of 2017. And one had a couple of halves of eyed off, and then um, the Melbourne full marathon um, in October 2018, and we've ticked off the sub 19 um, 5k, which was really really cool. Yeah, 23rd of December, just in the nick of time. If you didn't get it that Saturday, <laughs> it would have been one more chance to get yeah, it. Yeah, that's right, and that would have been it. So 1848. 1848. Yeah, just pretty. starting to get moving for uh, 5k's. Yeah, you know. I don't want to want you to feel threatened, but <laughs> don't slacken off from the training, man. I'm How's your perspective <laughs> of like running? I won't be. I did 190k last week. I think. I'm yeah, up, right. I'm, I'm up in the different. I did my there. biggest yeah. week ever last week. Yeah, so what did you hit? Uh, 81k's yeah. or something. So. Um, has your, your perspective of tra- of running changed a bit? Like you know that first stage, mm. you were really in that honeymoon period, and you're like. Just banging out. Like, you kind of get a PB every time you race and every mm. session you were doing was also good. But whereas now you've hit kind of expectations for sessions and we kind of made your sessions harder. And because you're doing more Ks, you're more tight. Like, and Troy, you'll be able to back us up in a second and tell us about adaptations and all those kind of things. But you start having those days where it doesn't happen and you're just mm. like, yeah, right. Like, yeah, what's yeah. going on here? Like, you, this isn't what I signed up for. You mean like today is yeah, what you're alluding yeah. to? One good example, yeah. Yeah, I, um, look, I kind of, you finish the session and you, you know, I was a bit down. I thought, well, you know, if I got to that point where I've popped, I've pushed, um, I've pushed hard enough that I'm going to get something out of it and at the same time, I learnt, you know, I, I was saying to you just before that I, um, I normally run on a fairly light stomach, like I might not have much, and a lot of the, a lot of my easy runs I run with uh, just on black coffee anyway, and just go out and run fasted. And uh, when there's a session, I try to get something in. And uh, this, I sat up last night. My wife was at work, and my son was in bed, and I just like started reading too much about <laughs> glycogen storage and all this. And I got up this morning, I put away this big breakfast, had like four wheat bix. And then I had two pieces of toast with um, peanut butter and um, banana and honey, and then and <laughs> yeah, heaps of, but heaps of water. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'll give that a little bit of time to settle in, and, and then let the listeners know your session, though, just to know what you're yeah, preparing. Yeah, well, yeah. So I was preparing to do a 15k 
like a cut down tempo is the first yeah so every 5k cut cutting down yeah because you got wanger at a half marathon coming up yeah five weeks yeah give or take yeah yeah and um i to be honest probably underestimated a little bit too I looked at those times, I'm like, 4.25, 4.15, four minutes. I knew the four-minute um, pace was going to be hard for the last 5K, but um, I started feeling the lactic like pretty early on. I was like, shit, what's going on? Have I just... And, and I could just hear my... I could literally hear my stomach just making that sloshy sound, which is just always... Like even if you don't feel it, just the sound is gross. I reckon for some yeah. reason it just plays on you and it's like, I shouldn't be... <laughs> shouldn't it's have this much... Frog much. belly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was running along with all that and yeah, it's kind of hard. For, I haven't done a lot of sessions at that length around here. So I'm also like trying to find spots to run, link link like different tracks together around town and got to the 9K and just um, just had to pull the pin. Like I, well, What I did is I tried to float the 10K just to see if I'd get some recovery and then yeah. get something out of the last five, even if I just sat at that 4.15 again. And uh, obviously you have a bit of a recovery, like the legs slightly freshen up. So I banged back into the, like the four minute, four oh five pace, and it just kept just kept biting me. And I was just twelve minutes, just stopped the watch and hung yeah. it, hung it Walk up. Walked home, walked walked for a bit, and I was like feeling real sorry for myself. So I found a little bubble tap um, down near our park run track and uh, had a, had a sip of that, contemplated life, life. and then yeah. <laughs> and then. Uh, Pulled my head in and just realised it wasn't so bad and uh, went and did my 2K jog back to my car and and uh, called it a day. Went home, got, got some, got a Gatorade and <laughs> felt like Michael Jordan. But there's probably more <laughs> learning in that today than if you did nail that session. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, yeah. And in my head, I was like, well, I, and I didn't think I was someone that would, I, uh, I probably, I don't know if I'm overestimating my own ability or just underestimated the session or whatever but i didn't think i'd be someone that would do that with running i thought i'd like i've always had a pretty good idea where i'm at as mm. we've gone along and that one just surprised me a bit i think the mental strength is one thing that would worry you like you're always tough as nails and it's mm. like the mental side like never comes in your mind i yeah. don't think before today to not finish a session yeah oh look i've, I've had a couple of sessions that i have had to pull the pin like I, i'm uh, a deeks uh quarters, oh, yeah, quarters one yeah. time. everyone's had to do that yeah i did it last week it happens all the yeah. time to and a variety of runners you know i i just have to keep telling myself that i'm why like the reasons i'm doing it and um it's always just takes you down a peg when you think you're flying along and then all of a sudden you get one that just uh surprises you like that yeah and Troy, like with your expert like hat on, that would be do you reckon it'd be his adaptation as well? Like when you increase the mileage of someone's training program and they've like you just said before that you've just come off the biggest week of your life and mm-hmm. now all of a sudden you've mm-hmm. you're tired and fatigued four days later? No doubt. Yeah. Um there's you know, I mean look, running is definitely in practice is uh you guys uh the forte, you guys have been doing it uh, for for some time. Benny since Benny since April, which is kind of scary, what yeah. kind of results he's got already, um, and you've just naturally been awesome at it. Uh, uh, no. I've grinded away years. though. Like I wasn't naturally. Yeah, yeah. It took me a while, but yeah, hopefully, I'm uh, half decent at it after the amount of years I put in. Yeah, definitely. But no, I, I think you're right. There's there's a massive. There's, I think there's a huge. I think we underestimate the psychological component um, to training a lot of the time. Um, you know, there's been really good research that looks into. 
the central effects or the central nervous system effects essentially is sort of how the brain is interpreting uh, performance uh, in of late and you know that relates to everything you know also supplementation um, and you know the physiological aspects are, are really important too like you know it's it sometimes seems a bit simplistic to just sort of talk about rest and recovery, um, mm. but they seem to be really important aspects of any training program, regardless of the genre or the sport that you're playing. Um, so, running the kind of mileage or you know, you know the, the the amount of k's that you guys are covering on a per week basis, there needs to be a lot of uh, I suppose lenience in regards to rest intervals and knowing. Knowing your body, I think, and I think science can give you a, quite a lot, but the art of running is where practice is so important, and that's something I can't speak for. You guys are much much more um, versed in this than what I am, but in terms of, I mean, the strength and conditioning aspect, the weights, that sort of area, I can definitely relate more to that sort of stuff because that's what I do. Um, but in terms of absolute like changes in in the way we perceive things psychologically. Um, you know uh, how we look at phys- the physiology will naturally just adapt as well so a training load as the volume increases it it, it makes us more susceptible to um, fatigue so naturally when the body's being introduced to a larger load or a larger volume of training it's it's probably going to give a little bit of resistance to begin mm. with um, and then inevitably uh, you know you get to a point of adaptation like you mentioned before and then and, and all of a sudden people can start to increase again mm. at a, at, a, mm. at a subtle or sometimes large pace. So. Yeah. Mm. What? Oh, sorry. I was just going to say I've taken it with because it's something new. I've always been someone's played sport and um, and gone to the gym and stuff. And it's just like with that adaptation thing. That's what it's what I try to always keep in mind. If there's something you've got to weigh up when something's sore and when something's injured. I suppose too, where if you're like you know yourself well enough and. You know, days like like <laughs> days like today when it doesn't go to plan, I just yeah, you know, it makes sense with what you're saying. That sometimes there's going to be some resistance where uh, yep, it comes sure. back, and you know, day well, and it's dangerous own. to push through that as well. Like mm. I've had issues in the past, Troy, with my like testosterone, like and just testosterone will drop, and then um, you just look back at your training cycle over the last month, and it's just like huge amount of k's. You know, 180 k's for four weeks that tends to break me and i'm just like yeah and it's as you said it's the resistance the body saying hey we're not going to ride here and that's one side to do you know much about that definitely yeah there seems to be uh you know there's a condition that used to be called the female athlete triad it used to refer to to high intensity female athletes who were covering doing a lot of different you know miles over the day week month um they've since sort of renamed that relative energy deficiency in sport so to encompass to sort of give men um a, a perspective on that as well to, and and like low or, or very low testosterone levels are a common symptom of very high uh, energy expenditures so if you're running as much as you are um and and this is a pretty similar thing that seems to happen in aesthetic and and bodybuilding type athletes so they're dieting right. for for months on end to the point where they hit sort of castrate or very very low testosterone levels and um it becomes really difficult because it's it's a it's a huge hormone as it relates to retaining muscle mass um as it relates to mood state um yeah. you know libido uh, so it, it plays a huge role in a lot of different things wasn't and there like depressive symptoms as well like i remember like you just 
little things would do your head in. Like, you're almost like, why is life so hard? Oh, the dishwasher hasn't been emptied. You're yeah. like, <laughs> end of the world. Like, stuff yeah. like that. Like, I remember when my testosterone was low, I was just, kids at school were just like, that kid's left his pencil case out. Like, yeah, yeah really, things just do your head in. Definitely. Um, as a massive symptom as well. I, yeah. I feel like the dishwasher thing's fair, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've got jobs around the house. Yeah. Dude, that is my job. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I just expect the job to get done. Yeah. <laughs> The cat hasn't emptied the dishwasher yeah. today. This is disappointing. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. That nah, was a stupid not joke about cats. Yeah. No, it's, I'm going to do that so many more times. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, nah, they're real phenomenon. They, they are things that happen. Um, it, it, it heavily impacts men's mood state. Low testosterone. And, and the other thing, I mean, we're talking about a hormonal profile in general. Cortisol is another really, really big one. Um, and it's known as the stress hormone. So generally, the higher the intensity is or the more we do... Um, you know, the, the more we do, basically, uh, the more cortisol is going to go up. And that affects a myriad of different things in the body and the brain. Um, so, you know, water retention is a classic one, you know. So for a running sake where, where you know, being lighter on your feet is important for an aerodynamic perspective, um, cortisol, you know, in high doses or high levels, naturally due to stress, can cause um, excess water retention. And as a result of that, you know, you might be carrying an extra one, two, three kilos of water, um, which, you know, can be huge over the, the, the span of a half marathon or a full marathon. So um, there's so much to go to play when it comes to hormones basically become very deficient um, for the most part in a huge dietary state or in an overly excessive exercise state. So how runners and other athletes that are involved in aesthetic sports, gymnasts, synchronized swimmers, where there's a lot of uh, uh, body weight sports, boxers, wrestlers, where they have to make weight, they have to really consider a lot of these factors and that's where nutrition really plays a huge factor in those, those things as well. Yeah. We're going to stay here for like a good half an hour, I think. This is, uh, <laughs> this is a good spot to be because you get that, you know, female marathon runners. I almost feel for them a bit because uh, there's just a good USA runner who's just retired recently to just say like she has missed her menstruation period for the last, you know, five years and like yeah, she's right. low on health and it's just like you're trying to achieve all these goals yet you're not letting your body live as if it's, you know. And I guess with the guy stuff, it's kind of a bit the same if you're living in that moody state it's uh not the best indication of yourself it's a really tough one i know i can't speak you know for you guys uh as athletes in this area but you know in terms of what the science is talking about in terms of what's there i mean it's it's probably a good reason also to to look at the nutritional profile and look at how much food you're eating and what you're eating um and you know get a bit more in there too you know but at the same time it comes at the balance of you know excess or too much but when you're covering so many kilometers per week generally you know you look at uh endurance runners and and sort of ultra marathon athletes and that sort of thing they can get away with a whole lot more energy intake so they can eat a lot more food than than most of the average population um which is a bit of a which is a bonus if anything because you get to reward yourself with some extra food you know, as a result of all the hard work you do. I think where one of the biggest issues comes along in the sedentary population, you're talking about nutrition, is people will take that advice on board and go, oh, well, because I've exercised for an hour, I can go and treat myself to, you know, a milkshake and a packet of chips or something like that. And, and Twice as many calories <laughs> as you've burned. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Pink donuts. Yeah. 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 So, and it becomes quite confusing in the media with so many different messages that are out there and trying to delineate what's true and what's not. Uh, so when you're, when you're an athlete, I think of 
you know, this this female you're referring to, her magnitude, where you're running so many miles or kilometres a week, like yourself, and Benny's building up to, then you can get away with with more food but and then it comes down to the quality of the food choices Mm -hmm. and the decisions that you're making with that become hugely important as well so yeah so like we've got a lot the majority of people who listen to this podcast are are distance runners so like what do they do like is it just about a making sure their calorie intake is matching up with what they're expending and then oh no because you can easily do that in Foods Definitely. that are high in calorie, you just smash a few almonds and your calorie contact's going right. to go through the roof, but it's still not going to be able to fuel yeah, you, is it? Right. And, 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 and yeah. it's that thing with the, yeah, the hormones as well, because, you know, if you want to be a good marathon runner, you've got to run anywhere between 140 and 200 k's a week. So yeah. so cutting the running out probably isn't an option That's for right. a lot of these guys who are listening. Yeah. So fuel becomes a big option. and. Mm. Um, like you mentioned before, that the, the type of fuel is really important. And by quality, it doesn't just mean the food in terms of if it's nuts or vegetables or fruit. It also refers to the, the macronutrient profile. And that's just a, a word that basically implies how many carbs, fats and proteins are in a certain, in X food. So um, where, where runners, um, you know, where it's really important for runners, there's huge, like huge evidence, convincing evidence that, that carbohydrate intake is really important for runners um, because... They need to ensure that they're filling their muscle glycogen um, to capacity or as much as possible so as to enhance their performance for, you know, certain bouts of a race where at uphill performance, the the last few k's to the finish, they need that glycogen storage in there. Um, And that comes in the form of carbohydrate. It doesn't, fat can't do it and protein can't do it. So when you're looking at that, it's a you know the range is huge when you look at athletes the AIS recommends anywhere between the range of three to 12 grams per kilo per day and that's huge like that's a huge range like if someone weighs 100 kilos as a as an example you could go well if their minimum is three grams a day it's 300 grams but if someone's up the huge other end of you know doing 35 k's in a morning for example like you did you know like you, you you're looking more at that 10 11 12 grams um per kilo per day which ends up you know going right up and you can see how carbohydrate intake can come up and calories as a result come up because of that as well and like you said before it's not just an energy balance thing it's also something is referred to more so as energy availability so it goes beyond energy balance it's talking about making sure you've got enough in supply to also be able to fuel your run but also have enough left over so little things like those hormonal profiles don't sort of go shonky or um, don't diminish too much either and um, that's what a lot of the, the contemporary language is talking more about energy availability for athletes rather than energy balance or being at maintenance, if that makes sense. But Yeah, so is that when people should get a blood test and like just check the health of their hormones rather than just getting on the scales every night and Definitely. you know checking if it's, you know, you're at a good weight to be training at? Definitely. If it's feasible for people to go and do that, you know, semi-regularly, I think it's a really good idea. You get a good gist of... Not just scale weight, um, but also, you know, blood tests show a whole lot in terms of the hormonal profile. They generally give you a pretty good inta- uh, overview of, of micronutrient status as well. So you'll generally get your basics on a, on a blood panel. So you might get your sodium and your potassium, which are really important for runners too and electrolyte levels, especially if you're running in, you know, days like today or, you know, or it's humid weather. Benny Walker specialist goes, goes <laughs> in the middle of the day every day of the week in summer. Altitude training. Yeah. On the flat land of Juga. Yeah. Doesn't want to miss a day of summer. No. no, no just making the most of the warm weather. Um, yeah, right. So, yeah, so that would be the first thing you recommend to people. Get the get the blood test yeah. and then just to, see, just to see where you're at a bit, wouldn't it? Like just get a, 
a bit of a, I don't know, like a, a range of this is these are your profiles, these are your scores. Absolutely. I mean, you can you can go back to this idea of, of looking at the science and the literature and, and you can always refer back to it. But if it comes down to looking at people and you're coaching them individually, um, it's, it's very context dependent. So I can't go, well, Brady, you should have 12 grams per kilo a day and Benny should have nine grams per kilo per day. You need to fine-tune and a blood test gives you an objective idea of what's going on with their overall health status um, based on the markers that's showing up you know insulin sensitivity as well as all those electrolytes we talked about their hormone profiles but also how the person's genuinely feeling is really important so um, you know the physiology and the psychology some often marry up but sometimes they don't so you need to make sure that what that person, how that person's experiencing their running or whatever their endeavour is or their activity is, they need to be feeling good about it too. Um, you know, but at the same time, I think it's really, really difficult because you need to make sure that... I, th- I think you just need to make sure that you're getting the right balance of... Sleep's a huge one. Um, I think that a lot of people are so focused on training um, that they often neglect rest and recovery. Um, sleep is is a huge one um, in terms of how we feel, um, how we wake, how we train the next day, and it's very it's only you know it's it's only been pretty recent in terms of exercise really paying attention to sleep and and, and quality of sleep as to not just how much we should be getting, but the quality of it um, plays a really big role in our capacity to recuperate and recover and um, hydration status is another really big one as well like there's there's so many different factors to consider Mm. Um, but the basic thing is I think it really should come down to how the person's feeling um, and how they're holding up through the process and 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 it's good to have someone in tow like if you're writing a program for Benny um, just seeing how each other's going is just a really good thing sometimes besides getting a blood panel to just genuinely check up on each other and go hey how are you feeling? How's this running going? Like, what? How's your week been? Yeah, all yeah. those types of things play a huge part. So, yeah, that's a good. One. And that, and that's a thing too, isn't it? You don't want to sit here and give out all this advice because there's, you know, a couple of thousand people listening who have different stories and different that's kind right. of history and stuff. Yeah. So it's kind of, but the media must do your head in, mustn't it? Like when you turn on the TV and see these, you know, the Today shows talking about how you just got to do one hour exercise a week. You know, like all these yeah. kind of misconceptual stories that are out there about and even supplements like there's so yeah. much rubbish about supplements, supplements and advertising and no. yeah yeah start with the media stuff and then tell us what some what should we be supplementing if any sure no the media ones uh well the media and supplements can go together in, in yeah. a lot too uh but you know the media ones classically uh what, what media have a tendency to do you know for the most part is report something they might report a study um either in part um, or not in whole. They won't interpret the, the full extent of the study or the, what the data points in the study actually say. Well, they'll generally report the study. Uh, um, they might make... In, in research, they use the terms correlation and causation. And if something's correlated, it can have a, a potential association with something else. But if it's causative, it generally means something is a direct link to something else. So what the media will often do is they'll they'll use correlative data um, and imply that it's causative data. So they'll say uh, a classic example might be increasing um, red meat causes cancer. 
increasing classic one that was that's a, a big yeah, one yeah, yeah big yeah. one so i mean it's in the media a few years ago i mean red back this stuff. week though like it's just been proven didn't see that, that. doesn't like is yeah that it's, it's the it, isn't it more the preserved red meats because of the nitrates in, in yep. preservatives yeah that's a big one see can you understand this stuff benny when it comes on the tv or do you see like do you see i just call boomer i just call troy and just go cuz what's that mean because that's the thing like i'm over it now and i've jumped deep into like vegan docos mm. and stuff like that i'm just like i can't believe any of this stuff anymore because it's so out of balance yeah and yeah. you see one and the, and the worst thing is you get on like you just get down the rabbit hole you start watching something on youtube and then it's like the suggested videos so then you watch mm. that and all of a sudden you watch 10 vegan you know, docos, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm vegan, and like, it's it's the way to go. But then you could easily Extreme do like veganism, and definitely. then the other ones pop up. It's like why <laughs> veganism isn't good. So then you start watching those, and you're like, Hugely. I'm definitely not going vegan. Oh. Like it's, it, but for a guy who spends hours studying this and lecturing yeah. it, mate, must do your head in. It gets it gets crazy. I think it grounds me um, as well, and I can look at it, and I, you know, I have had a lot of friends in in the industry have said to me uh, sometimes, you know, don't try not to get involved in in. Not that I'm on any really for, form of social media or anything, but when they talk about forums or, or comments in certain papers and articles, they said, don't get involved in the discussions. It just causes sort of inflammatory stuff to happen and arguments. And and I had one guy say to me, you know, no, you should get involved because, you know, if you can spread more accurate information to help people out, it's important. And it keeps you abreast of what's going on if you if you get involved in a, in a you know, a healthy debate with somebody too because it's kind of like it keeps you what well, keeps me accountable to look at what's most recently being said mm. what the body of evidence says because it's very easy to pick out a paper and go well that says this and the media are great at this as well and they'll say well this does this but they won't draw on the, the context or the body of evidence they might, they might for one paper that says something that does this there might be three papers that say that it doesn't and i, I think what happens is the media will generally run with extremist ideas because they seem to be very popular and sitting in the middle on the fence somewhere seems to be <laughs> the healthiest option, but it's just generally not as appealing um, as, as, or as selling. It doesn't have the sell point that the extreme views do. I want to get to the media picking someone out in a minute because Mark yeah. Latham's new mate up in a, I'll talk about that a bit later on. Have you heard that? Cancer up in Alice Springs, the old Australia Day debates back again. Mm. We'll, uh, we'll talk about that. Can't later. wait. Let's move on to that right now, can we? It doesn't matter what field you're in, though. You can find someone who's yeah. willing to, yeah, have an opinion or, you know what I mean? Like Absolutely. It's, yeah, it must Absolutely. be. Uh, so supplements, should we be supplementing anything? Look, there's, there's some universal supplements that actually really do work. Um, you know, I'm big on you know, do it with a diet first. Um, yeah. You know, exercise is fantastic and people should, if they, you know, that people should be doing both of those things. You know, make, make some time, put some time aside for yourself. It's only going to help you and, and the people around you to do those things, to eat, eat a little bit better and, and to exercise a little bit more. And, you know, it's a common one. You hear with supplementation, oh, I mean, I get this in the gym a lot, like, guys, oh, do you think I should try this or what's, what do you think of this supplement? And, um, generally I'll just say look man like you can generally get most of this stuff from your diet you know you don't need supplementation and it, you know in some instances supplements are dangerous so uh, and when it comes to athletes playing under certain codes like the AFL you know they have regulatory bodies that, that test them pretty pretty regularly and um, and they they realize that, that they they might take something unknowingly um, 
and all of a sudden they're in trouble and don't even don't even realise that there was some contaminants in that supplement. Um, you know, but the classic ones, I mean, from a, from a practical standpoint, the ones that seem to hold true all the time, you're looking at uh, caffeine, still seems to be really, really effective in ergonomic or improved performance. Um, and that's like... Um perception of exhaustion too isn't it like isn't it perceived sorry, perceived efforts yes. like it just yes. takes yeah i've played around with that and just yep. popping a couple of notos and yeah you're just like this feels easy at this pace and then yep. yeah 25 minutes in you're like all right i've done that for 25 minutes and the caffeine's worn off yep. and it's uh it feels a bit harder yeah definitely and there's a massive genetic i mean this is this thing goes the, the case for um, for most things, but you find that there's a massive genetic element and response rate. To, Thanks, Benny. Uh, we just cracked our second beer. Listeners are Thanks, used to this when Benny's yeah. around here for podcasts. <laughs> just when I come around, yeah. is it? <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, yeah, but isn't it like responders and non-responders? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and with most supplements, you'll find that. But caffeine, for the most part, uh, people respond to. There is a big genetic element where it affects people very little or not at all um in which case their dosage needs to come up a little bit but then that's you know also this is where this whole balance of supplementation comes in and whether or not they're necessary for some people because other people can take a little bit too much and then it affects their capacity to sleep and then if their sleep quality becomes affected then the next day training session might be um put it put it a detriment because Mm. of a result of that so it's a real this is where this art comes in where it's a real balancing act with nutrition and performance but um caffeine by and large seems to be in the dosage range they say around between three to six milligrams per kilogram of body weight seems to be effective um so if someone would weigh you know classic 100 kilos 58 kilos what would they have to have So you're work this out for me. Half, half a tablet. <laughs> work out a hundred, then half it for me. And coffee is another one. I mean, it's a very practical one. We live in a coffee culture, so you know what's really important is the average cup of coffee. You know, might have sixty or seventy milligrams of caffeine. Um, you know, but they have done studies as well and run on coffee and some not even decaffeinated, but looking at coffee of caffeinated types. Some have very, very little and some have huge amounts. So it's really, really tough to gauge. And that's where supplementation may be handy for someone who can respond to that because they know what the dosage per tablet is containing. So Yeah, and even like the energy gels that have the like I've got some in there, they're like, We've got a hundred grams of caffeine milligrams of caffeine yeah. in here. Yeah. Um, so that's a guaranteed, isn't it? Like if you squeeze it all out. That's the other thing though. You run a marathon. Mm. You go past 30K half and you're, you're sucking it half, it's through your chin, the other half's still in there and you can't <laughs> suck it out or like and the other half ends up in the gutter. Like yeah. you might not um, – yeah. Well, I've had this uh, – I actually had this conversation with Benny not too long ago and there's, you know, there's some really cool recent evidence talking about like um, the effect of sugar, just an uh, – a, a swirl, a mouth swirling effect. Um, so basically, t- people can ingest a sports drink and swirl it around, um, and they can literally spit it out because, in some instances, as you guys would know, that, that a little bit too much fluid in the gut can cause gastric issues while you're running, and you don't want that sort of thing to happen. But that swirling around in the mouth stimulates oral receptors, mm-hmm. send it to the brain. The brain actually gets a performance benefit from just the the sensation of the sugar being perceived to, to be in the mouth. Like it's not even necessarily being digested and absorbed, which is kind of cool. Right? I should have just swirled my breakfast this morning <laughs> and spat it out. <laughs> Chucked all those wheat bigs around yeah, a couple of times and fed them to the blitz, dog out the Blitzed back. them up and then yeah. spat them out. Yeah, so that's amazing stuff, isn't it? Like it is. an almost trick the brain to, to think you've got it without it sitting in your stomach. There's that big psychological thing we were talking about before again, like just how important the the psychology behind performance really is as well. And the yeah. brain's not even necessarily getting 
anything if a trace amount of absorption in the mouth because there are some some small enzymes in the mouth that help with digestion of carbohydrate but it'd be minuscule to mm. sort of you would think to have an effect so, so it's just like the 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 tongue tells the brain it's like get ready for what's coming kind of thing the brain's gone into that mode but you know then you've spat it out and yep. you're getting those effects for tempor- like temporarily i guess that's what seems to be going on yeah it's pretty amazing pretty cool yeah so caffeine make sure you check if you're good at caffeine like if you're responding and that's yep. that's beneficial what yep. about anything else like any any with, secret pills that we should be supplementing or just in general or caffeine like we all know that's a yep. pretty well documented yeah wo- if it works for you it works for you and it's yep. make the most of it for runners, but just not late at night not late at night does yeah. affect sleep it seems to be a saturable uh, supplement so anything above that six milligram per kilo mark doesn't seem to do anything so if you take more you, you hit a ceiling so to speak so you're better off not having any more because then you're starting to put the heart under a bit more stress as well but um you know the other big thing would be uh oh, it's in runners you'd be looking a lot there's been some really cool research in the last five to ten years about beetroot juice as well so looking at nitrates nitrites that sort of stuff but nitrates in particular so nitric oxide um is something that have you heard about oh, this? I've, done, yeah. I've done it once yeah, yeah. I just, I'm only smiling because I yeah. went to the toilet afterwards and just yeah. like just at the Thought urinal. You were dying. Yeah, the urinal at Vic Park and Kidneys I'm just are like, just absolutely, yeah, yeah, just brighter, <laughs> bright pink urine kind of yeah. thing. Walked out, Stevie Gray was there and he's like, "Have you been passion someone in yeah. there?" Because my lips were still. Uh, <laughs> I've got pretty big lips as it is. There, it had the beetroot juice all over it. And yeah. Here I am walking out like shocked from the yeah. public toilet and he's seeing my lips all, all like <laughs> lips sticked up. It was that, yeah. It's one of but, the yeah. classic side effect warning signs that you get when you're reading that like textbooks of sports nutrition it's funny they say one of the big side effects is your urine might come out like almost red and it's but they say it's completely harmless so yeah nothing we, to worry about. yeah because it is you can be worried about it like yeah. sometimes after a marathon yeah. like the first yeah. time i've gone to the toilet and just taken a leak it'll be like you got the the blood traces through there don't you like your kidneys just start watch out for this in october like orange, Benny. Yeah. yeah yeah like it's that's when you start getting a bit scared you're like what have i just done to my body for the fast past 42k that's uh caused it to do this yeah but it does seem to be something that the beetroot does seem to be something that is effective in in sort of middle distance, sort of longer distance runners. So they do tend to find that it helps with that little bit more of explosive performance, um, you know, in the last parts of a race. But it, when you're starting to get into longer distances and durations, it doesn't doesn't appear to be as effective in terms of ultra marathon sort of pace. But when you're looking more at half marathon, marathon pace, it may absolutely play a role. Um, and like you mentioned before, you reminded me of something as well. Like, I mean, we're talking about supplements. I think that there's a big one with, with uh, multivitamins and multi-mineral supplementation. And, and they absolutely, there's, there's something that do serve a purpose in some people, especially if you are expending as much energy as, as some runners do or some aerobic athletes. Um, and also if you're dieting very heavily, you're sort of using a multivitamin, multi-mineral as an insurance policy more than anything else. Um, which, you know, there is really good evidence to suggest that if, if you have got deficiencies in certain minerals or vitamins, that a multivitamin, multimineral can help get you out of that sort of deficiency state. Um, but generally for people who are otherwise healthy, and that's where that blood panel comes back in again, you'll find that those supplements are just, uh, what some people use the quote, they're just a cause for expensive urine kind of thing. Because, yeah, you know, I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you'll just pee a lot of them out. So, yeah. But in, as you said, though, I think you put it a good way, like that insurance kind of policy. Like, Definitely. 
yeah, you're just making sure that things are okay there and everything's topped up. And yep. yeah, if the worst thing is that your, your urine's bright yellow, well, it looks it. good. Like, that's yeah, right. it's interesting. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. um, yeah, so that's it. Because I think people also get the misconception that, like, you can, well, not hopefully not many of these listeners would, but you can take a multivitamin and it's going to top you up, but you don't need to worry about running twice a week. Like, the best way to get performance is training and sleeping and yep. recovering and having a, a leveled training program. Like it's absolutely, man. Finding that balance, you know, you need all of them. And um, you know, I mean, look, look for, you, for your audience as well. The women will need to be a little bit more mindful of their iron intake uh, as well. And and like you said before, you know, amenorrhea, or lacking of that menstrual cycle and things like that. They're they're really they're, they're very real issues that happen in female athletes, um, endurance athletes, and also in female competitive. Um, aesthetic sports, you know, going back to those areas again where leanness is sort of considered important. Um, that's where women really need to be very mindful of their iron intake because deficiency is quite common. Um, you know, there's is there been, a way around it though? Like, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, I've got that many mates who rather their partners are runners, and it's yeah. just like it seems to be a process it's, that, yeah. like, you know, they're, they're smashing like double of those satchels down, having red meat all the time. They're just yeah. like, like, they've got to miss their second marathon for the year because it's coming out of is it amenia is that how it's pronounced amenorrhea yeah uh, yeah, yeah, yeah you did right, a much so, better yeah. job that than I did, yeah. <laughs> that's what i was gonna say yeah, when you read it on paper it looks like that's how yeah. it's said but yeah no like, it, is there a way around it It doesn't look there generally is for for the aesthetic um like women who are because once they sort of are in their off season they can generally eat a lot more food um, and their expenditure comes right down because they're not training anywhere near as hard. But when, you, when you're dealing with endurance and a, aerobic athletes that are women, it becomes much more difficult because it's a constant thing, right? They don't really stop. Um, and the only way to truly seem to remedy it is, you know, in extreme circumstances, they need, you know, supplementation. Um, and generally that's prescribed by a GP because it gets to the point of iron deficiency anemia and it becomes you quite a like infusions that they go in that's, and get, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not right. Not just popping a not just, Swiss tablet not, every night. That's right, like yeah. It yeah. goes beyond that into the infusion um, stage. But then you also look at the overall food intake needs to definitely come up, um, which is so hard to do because you're expending so much energy, you know, running how many kilometres per week again that... You, you mean you're getting conditions like foot strike hemolysis where basically you're, you're literally breaking up red blood cells in the body because of the constant pounding on the pavement sort of thing and so women have got that and they're dealing with a whole host of different things going on so they there's really no true way to seem to remedy it in terms of the best way again is is just that trying to find you in that balance and making sure that you're not overexerting um, with with the exercise part of that equation, but the problem is, is like you said, to get to that elite level, you almost have to. It's it's a real mm, fine tuning process. Got to do process. the time, yeah. Yeah, but there's probably that balance somewhere, though, isn't there? Like, do 120k weeks and have good iron levels, rather than you know doing 150k and and um, yeah, struggling with your iron, wouldn't it? Like, or maybe doing like two weeks on, one week off, overeating on that one week off to try and put some weight back on and. Yeah, little yeah, things no. like that. I mean, and you can look, there's some small things you can do, you know, like iron from, you know, animal sources team, seems to be much better absorbed than it does from plant sources, but you can combine um, certain things with certain foods together to make iron absorption 
um, better. So, you know, the, the, you know vitamin, vi- C, vitamin C is yeah, a yeah. classic one. So having that glass of orange juice with, you know, your, your piece of toast, which is generally fortified with iron nowadays, um, you know, it can be the – there's all kinds of little things that you can do. But, but by and large, it becomes a really difficult issue and I really – I couldn't tell you the best way to remedy it because it's, it seems to be an ongoing issue. I reckon you'd be a rich man if you could. I reckon Definitely. there'd be a lot of uh, endurance steak, athletes. Steak and there. orange juice for breakfast. Nobel you heard it here first. Steak, <laughs> spinach and orange juice <laughs> with a couple of those sachets of like, have you seen those ones? The iron ones you buy and no, you throw them down? No. Mm. They just taste like your... Um, Oh, we haven't had a meal. Rust. It just, it just tastes like rust. Yeah. Oh, it's gross. like you're sitting at the bottom of like a gutter, like a downpipe, and you mm. just drink. Mm. Water just wait for it to rain next time and stand outside. One of my mates, his, yeah, his wife was doing, or his partner was doing like three of them every morning, just trying oh, to like, it's one of those like hold your nose, like chuck there. No thanks. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one, but it's um, but. Yeah, back to some of the work. This is a good segue because you were doing some work last time we spoke out in front of the Achuka Library. Every time I walk into the <laughs> library, I reckon Troy's hooking around, throwing balls to his dogs and stuff. And <laughs> he's close to the books, but he's also in a beautiful nature reserve, uh, being outside exercising. But you were doing some work, correct me if I'm wrong, with social media and health promotion in Indigenous communities. That's right, yeah. Um, good memory. Great memory. Um, yeah, man. So that's kind of my work where I, I'm, you know, very fortunate. Community has been really supportive here. Local community um, has been so supportive of that work as well. But I, I work in tandem with Monash University in Vacho, and so basically they're a Victorian Aboriginal organisation, the community-controlled health organisation, and we are currently in a four-year um, program to try and basically look at the positive effects of social media. And using that as a bit of a conduit to to promote health amongst our young Indigenous people. So by young, we're, we're, our particular age group is 18 to 24. So, um, you know, if anyone knows of anyone hearing this, you know, yell out, shoot me, shoot radio me a text or an email or something and we'll um, get you on board. But it's basically a, a big study where we're just trying to get people's perception on how they interpret health, um, their ideas surrounding health, especially as it relates to nutrition and exercise. And we're going to ask sort of a lot of people's opinions on some campaigns that have been thrown out there on TV. So people might have seen that Rethink Sugary Drinks campaign or um, the the Drink Water You Mob campaign where, you know, encouraging Aboriginal people especially to try and drink more water as opposed to sugary, sugar-sweetened beverages, so soft drinks and, and, fruit, and fruit juices and cordials. Uh, and we're looking at those two things in particular and just trying to finalise the submission for a paper on that right now. Um, actually, as of this morning, we're just about ready to submit that paper, um, looking at social media and, and its perception on health of Aboriginal people. I've tried to extend it a bit more because I've uh, sort of authored this paper to try and extend it a bit more to some broader perspectives in health as well, not just nutrition um, and exercise. I've looked at... Um, some things like suicide uh, rates uh, as well as um, looking into tobacco a little bit as well and, and diabetes as well. So just trying to sort of open up the sphere a bit more to encompass all parts of health a little bit more and how we can use the social media element to improve and encourage it. And you tend to find that whenever you look at any advertisements online now, it's very much sort of mar- just absolutely overrun by... Um, 
corporation. So, you know, Coke and Maccas and, and, and all the others, you know, Domino's and whatever specials that they've got going on. So we're trying to sort of flip the switch and see what we can learn from those big corps to try and turn it on its head and, and look at healthier choices and healthier options. So. Yeah, well, especially in the Indigenous population as well. Like, I'm not sure if you guys have the stats, but like, isn't the diabetes rate way yes. higher? The the sugar film did a really good, like, I'm not sure if you guys have seen that, like that sugar film you guys yeah. seen? Yeah. Damon Gummin, I think his yep. name is, yeah. Because um, he went into an Indigenous community and just looked at the sales and all those yep. kind of things and it must really... And Coke had a monopoly on the stores and stuff in a lot of those communities for a really long time and it took a lot of the elders to actually uh, go to the stores and, and and get involved at that level and make a decision they didn't want all that stuff on the shelf and replace it with healthier options and trying to educate the kids and that, um, yeah, it's Troy will know a lot more about the stats and stuff, I'm assuming, but... Maybe you want to take it from there. Sure. Oh, well, Benny's right. You know, there, there's huge issues with, and the other one I didn't mention as well is, I mean, our dental health, our oral health is, is really poor, um, and a lot of it is to do with the, uh, sugar sweetened beverages um, and the, the the sheer consumption of added sugar. So you add too much sugar to something, it increases the energy of of, of basically the diet. And statistically, you know, you look at the obesity rates in uh, non-Aboriginal Australians as compared with Aboriginal Australians, um, and they look overweight and obesity comparatively look su- they look subtly smaller. There's about a four percent difference in 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 not in favour of, but Aboriginal people have a larger likelihood of being overweight or obese. But when you break down the statistics and you look at the obesity in particular, which is really where things become concerning from a health perspective, we have about a ten percent higher margin of um, of obesity than non-Aboriginal Australian people. So it becomes if you sort of take overweight out of it, sort of so to speak, and you just look at the obesity stats in isolation, you'll find that it's about ten percent difference in the rate of obesity affecting Aboriginal people. Yeah, and Australia's already one of the most obese countries, aren't we? Like, it's not like we're... So they're 10% more than a country that is second yeah. or third in the world. Yeah, we're not, we're, not, we're not doing as bad as some places, like the US, Mex- Mexico in particular at yeah. the moment. Um, but um, we, are, we are up there. Um, we're depends what day you watch the news. Remember, like, a couple <laughs> yeah. of years ago, it's like we've taken over as the fattest country yeah. in the world. And, yeah, but you never... As we were talking about before with studies and stuff, you're never sure who's paid for that. And that's another thing, like... Yeah getting to the money and the corporation thing like mm. yeah. you've been in these communities Benny where you've seen like just coke dominating the shelves and stuff yeah um, I haven't uh, the last time I went I don't think I went to an actual store but I've definitely seen in the past where you, you go into the local store and um, yeah it's just like all your classic big corporation stuff on the shelves it's all your Kellogg's like Cocoa Pops and Fruit Loops and all that kind of shit and then on top of that then um, there's all coke and bottles of coke and kids walking on with coke because it tastes good and the, the education isn't there if, I guess from a while back to know uh, the damage it can do and 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 the amounts of sugar and even the caffeine which you know putting that into kids like I see little kids drinking a can of coke I'm like holy shit man like that and if that kid's got behavioural issues you wonder why because they've got sugar and caffeine coming out of their ears basically and then um yeah from a young age like yeah if you think about that over seven eight yeah. years but then you see it at school all the time the kids yeah. who have terrible diets you see it in the way they can learn see the way they behave interact yeah. with the other kids like it's and then you see yeah. what's in their lunchbox and you're like and you watch them just go up yeah. and down all day like yeah 
Yeah, it's, yep. it's, and you feel sorry for the kids because these kids are like seven and yeah, like the they're not packing their lunch boxes. Their yeah. parents are grabbing stuff off the shelves and, and bringing yeah. that in. And I think um, there's probably a lot more awareness now, you know, than ever. And I think it will continue to grow. That um, I know with my little guy, like I make a very conscious effort not to give him any refined sugar at all. You know, fruit is his treat. He loves fruit. So if he sees fruit, he's excited because that's really sweet to him. But if I give him a lollipop or a bag of Skittles and he's had that and then he's like, well, I want that. That's sweeter than the, than the watermelon or the banana or whatever it was that he liked beforehand. He wants the neck, you know, it's kind of changed his perception of sweetness and all of a sudden he wants the sweetness from the artificial stuff. So as long as I can hold him off of that stuff, um, the better it's going to be for him in the long run and hopefully keep his palate a bit more balanced, you know. He still likes the taste of a tomato because it probably tastes sweet to him. Where to me, it's really bland because... As an adult, I've tried everything that there is yeah, out there, you know. And, yeah, um, yeah I, and I also find it really interesting to see what he gets excited about as well because he hasn't been, you know, slammed with all the crazy um, additives and colours and sugars. Yeah, because it's going to be interesting when he rolls out to his first birthday party. And he's already pre- had it. No, he's the only kid, that, the only person at his birthday that didn't have any cake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But what about when he's in like grade prep and he goes over to someone, other other kids? You know, but then I've yeah, heard people I, talk about this. Like, yeah. yeah, you let them have a go at it and then they come home and they feel shocking two hours later. It's like, well, because you've put, that's that food. That's what mm. it makes you feel like. Yeah, look, and I don't, like, I'm completely comfortable with telling people that he doesn't have that stuff yeah and that's fine it's my it's my child i'm trying to give him the what i think is best and like we're sitting here talking about what the repercussions of it can be if someone wants to really have a full conversation with me about it i'm more than willing to tell them why i feel that way and what evidence i know of it and, and if they don't believe me i'll just give him troy's just number troy. <laughs> he never answers his phone but at least i tried put him on but the, <laughs> put him on the <laughs> get back on <laughs> But yeah, it's a decision I've made for for um for his health and um yeah, and I have no problem if he goes to a party me saying, Look, he doesn't eat cake and you know, he you know there's gonna be a time where he's allowed to have things occasionally, he's allowed to have a treat. And I'm like, okay, look, there's only one birthday on this month, he can have a bit of cake, mate. Like But there's also gonna be a time where it would be you don't go to a school um birthday party. Mm. And get given the mm. lolly bag when you walk out because our knowledge around sugar now is different than it was. T- like, remember when we used yeah. to go to birthday parties? Oh yeah, come on, it was the best thing. I wouldn't like, even bother going now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, so that's also going to shift at the same time. Yeah. As um. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, nothing. And that's what like it's what we'll do. Like, we um did all bags for the kids at kids at Archie's first birthday, and it wasn't packed with lollies. Like, we didn't want to do that. And what did you put in there? Like apples and stuff. Grapes. Hey? No, no. <laughs> I can't remember. My wife made them up. We were like, but I remember we were conscious not to just load them up with yeah. like Smarties and all that. And like, admittedly, onto a party as a kid, and that was the stuff I was looking forward to. Yeah. Like rolling out, you get like a balloon, one of those party whistle things, and yeah, yeah. and a big heap of like crap, and it was the best. You used to know when they were like poor lollies as well. You know, like yeah, like someone, black and gold, like someone bought like the cheap Smarties. Like, <laughs> oh, his parents have ripped us off here. Whereas the Starburst, yeah, like the, yeah. yeah. There's something special about the corner store lollies too. I mean, Benny, used, Benny and Andrew used to live. I mean, this is a classic, you know, growing mm-hmm. up as a child, associative memory, linking things to cool stuff. Like there was a takeaway shop, you know, around the corner from Pollard Place, which is it's where, literally two blocks from yeah. where we're doing the podcast <laughs> right now. Yeah, yeah, where yeah, that fish and chip shop is, yeah, it yeah. used to be the yeah. corner. That whole old, block of shops was the the corner shop. Was that one big corner shop? That was one yeah. big shop. Did you sell like videos big, and stuff as well. Yeah, and like oh, kind of video stores. Like, this house, I remember shop. going down. And um, 
sorry, I'll get you back to your story in a second. But I got a quick, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I know. Um, Yeah, my dad gave me a note and a ten dollar and ten dollars, and I handed the man the note and it said, "Can you please uh, give my son a pack of Peter Jackson Super Miles (laughs) signed Rob Walker?" And the bloke sold it to me. (laughs) I was like eight, and then rode home with darts for dad. And and two bag dolls worth of mixed lollies. Yeah. So like, Sorry, that's a lot. That was all I was gonna say. Is that two dollars. That's the big. The the big two dollars back then. You know the big huge. brown like sandwich bags. That's that was like full, full. two bucks, man. Bosses, One and two cents. Yeah, you get. Options, yeah, yeah, and they yeah. Yeah. before yeah. they started cheaping five out. Cents, that's right. Yeah, before they cheaped out and went two for five cents. It used to be like everything was at one cent. Remember the little sour. Sour worms? No, a little sour hard, like little, little mini lemons, oh, but they were yeah, different yeah, colours. Like, yeah. like fizzy sour things. <laughs> anyway, Bulma had a story he was going to tell us. <laughs> yeah, but back to that though, because it was kind of that community and it's what you did with the kids. Like we used to do yep. that with the kids in our street. We'd, yeah. The shop was like, I don't know, a K away. Like you'd all get on your bikes, Jump and pushy. and yeah. roll down there. Like there'd be an hour out of your day and then you'd sit out the front and yeah, <laughs> draw, and on the, draw on the footpath well, and then just ride home and it's... Yep. Well, that's what you did when you were kids. And that's the other thing too. Like we were, Scott, we're gonna start sounding real old real quick. It was like <laughs> we, I remember when we got an Atari, dude. That was like a big deal to get an Atari, and that was the first thing we ever had. I don't know. That was like kicking the trying to kick the footy over the land, over the streetlight, and like riding our bikes and jumping off gutters and stuff like that. And <laughs> yeah, I remember though when we got mum and dad actually bought an Atari to slow my brother down because he couldn't keep weight on. <laughs> and like I think they were like people must have been making comment of how skinny he was because he just and even now he doesn't stop. And like they bought an Atari and a milkshake maker to try and fat him up. Yeah, yeah, they had the opposite problem to everybody else. But um, anyway, Puma, tell us your story. No, and that's you pretty much nailed it. Yeah, like right. It sorry, <laughs> but that was the memory of like you have these like, little lollies. They were one and two cents. You used to go in that takeaway shop and they were like one cent ones. You had two cent options, and you'd go berserk. Like you could get as many as you you know two or three bucks. You could come home with a big brown bag full, and you know it, that's where sugar i think is also a big thing like it's a lot of cultures celebrate food as a means to celebrate an occasion too so when you look at associative memories of when you're a child and you enjoyed times with your family or with your cousins and um i look back and i think about those moments and and they have strong vivid pictures because i enjoyed myself that time because i was hanging out with my cousins and also um i was eating lollies so all of a sudden, both are both are rewarding. You're like, oh, I love hanging out with my cousins, but I love eating lollies, kind of thing. So, Which do you love more? Yeah, <laughs> oh, definitely the cousin. But it didn't seem like was it because there was less sugar in all the other stuff though? Like I still remember having like I used to have cocoa pops for breakfast, yeah. and you'd you'd have cocoa pops for breakfast, and then you'd go to the corner shop after school. That's like mm. criminal these days. Like I'd look down on parents if they let their kids do it's that. It's just education, yep. isn't it? But we grew up alright, like. So why didn't we? Was it because we were doing so much exercise and burn it? We could get yeah, away I think with it's it. It's like a combination of social things and yeah. yeah, it seems to be that way. I mean, you look at the trends, Seven. especially from the last nineteen, from nineteen seventy through to you know now. America's got much better data on this than us, but at the same time, like we we trend pretty commonly with what they do in a lot of ways. So you tend to find that the overall energy outside of the equation or how much exercise and physical activity we're doing has come down and the amount of food that we're eating has come up we're we're given way more option now in terms of food availability um, what we've got access to new corporations putting literally so much money into 
certain formulations of food that just taste what they, I mean, the term mm. they use for it's called hyper palatable. So um, the case of, of Benny before using the example with Archie of, you know, he sees fruit as something as a real treat because it's sweet and, you know, there are innate receptors in the tongue for sweetness. So the body picks those things up and, um, and enjoys those, those sensations. So that happens in infancy. And then you look at, you make foods now, you, you sort of formulate a food, which is what companies essentially do to make it taste even better than a natural process. Um, and it, it really dooms a lot of people. And it's by no fault of their own necessarily either. It's just because of something's making millions and millions and tens of millions of dollars to be produced to essentially be put out there in the public. And, you know, kids are getting access to this stuff. Um, we're in an environment where food's not scarce anymore. We can get it at any corner store, any supermarket, and it became, It seems to be quite cheap. So, you know, you look at a, a family that don't make very much money and they have they can go to McDonald's and feed their family for mm. 5 or $6. And if you go to an organic grocer, which would absolutely be the better option in terms of food quality, but it might cost them three or four or five times that much to feed their family. So, you know, there's so much context around it, you know, but the 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 large corporations and when this is sort of where our study was going when we were chatting about this out the front of the library the other week is is like you're competing against a, a pretty big guy you know like it's you, you you're just trying to put the work in to do what you can from from one perspective but there's so much there do you feel like there's enough uh you, you're up against the big guy but you feel like there's enough enough of the smaller guys like yourself and people around the world, because there's a lot, like Brady was saying earlier, there's docos on everything, and there's that sugar film yeah. and all these. Do you feel like there's going to be enough of these smaller guys eventually that are going to become one loud voice of some, even though they're all coming from different angles, they've got a common. Um, <coughs> well, is it the part access of that, a common to that little guy now? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, and the yeah. access is better. That, and that's the other thing. Those I wouldn't have watched if we didn't have the internet. Like, True. Look, I think also on top of that, we're we're all we've all at some stage probably been guilty of. Um, kind of ignoring certain information because it suits what you want to do or it suits yourself oh man I was was just about to bring that up (laughs) I'd finished my run and I was like I need some sugar and I was like I only had I was in my jumping in my van and I had like I didn't have my wallet because I'd been running so I had like two to one dollar coins in the middle of my van and I'm like I could go to Macca's and get a frozen like a slush like a frozen Mm -hmm. coke I was working out the the whole day me and Brady Johnson doing this yard maintenance at my rental house and um had to buy him something for his hard, hard work, driving past the yeah. chip, and I'm like, we're walking in here, Brady. Yep. What frozen yeah. coke do you want? And I know what it does to me, all yeah. that sugar. I know I'm drinking yeah. and then yeah. you're gonna 20 want it. teaspoons yeah. of sugar. And, and then, then today, you're going to want it like, later on. <laughs> she's like, I had to go to tip again. We went again today, and I'm like, do we go back? And I'm like, we're not doing it again. Yeah. Like, we went to Moama Tip, actually, so we didn't have to drive past it. Well, but it's like, yeah, you know it. But, yeah. And well, that's the thing. That's the big guy. Like it, well, yeah. An example from uh, my past before... Um, music was my full-time thing. My last job was working at a gym and I was like, just all the supplements, I was like into it totally. And as bad as you know, um, artificial sweetener is for me, um, like aspartame, all those kinds of things. And that's what all those things, like all these carb, uh, like zero carb versions of all these proteins and stuff like that, they just packed them with artificial sweeteners so they still taste yeah. sweet. And, and then all the other, I'm just like, no, no, I've got to get the protein. And, and it's like you don't need 250 grams of protein a day. Like, And that, that was the kind of thing. I was literally doing two and a half. Uh, I was 100, I got up to like 101 when I did a bulk and I was like eating like two and a half uh, grams for every kilo of body weight. I was on eight. I had 
I had this shake I used to make that was like, I think 500 or 600 calories. That was like my post-workout. It was, uh, I've been able to put it away. But yeah, like I knew that the artificial thing was bad, but at the same time I was like, I'm ignoring that because I want to, you know, to have the protein well, shake. here and now kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah. I knew it was going to be bad, but I knew I'd been sweating all day and I was so thirsty and I knew it was going to cost me a dollar and like you start convincing yourself it's okay. Can you remember when yeah. Coke Zero came out? And everyone yeah. had it and they're like, this still tastes awesome. Yeah. Like, how good is this? No yeah. sugar. And like, now studies are coming out. Oh, like, man, this I stuff had, is worse. Than I had to wean myself off it. Did I, you? I loved it. Like when I was the same thing, like, and then I like diet down. I'm like, I need something sweet and need some caffeine because I'm dieting so hard and I've got no energy. So then I'd have a Coke Zero and it would like pet me up a bit. And at the same time, it's like, it's also not great for you. <laughs> not good at all. So yeah, I don't know. It's, um, it's an interesting thing. And like, you must see so much of it. And I think, like I said before, I think we've all done it. Like it's, oh, one of those things. Yeah. you know, we should, we should probably have no more than two beers, but there's every chance we're going to have three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. Drinking the beer while we're talking about how bad Diet Coke is. Yeah. I'd rather have the beer. Yeah, so would I actually. What about you, Brady? Beers are right though, isn't it? Like, well, oh, it's nice. I've been telling myself that. <laughs> I tell Kai that all the time. I'm like, nah, Rob DeCostello used to have like one beer a night every night. And yeah. like, we interviewed uh, Pat Tiernan, who's like pretty much going to be the next big, big name in Australian distance running. And we interviewed him on my other podcast. And uh, he said, yeah, no, one beer with dinner, I'll have that most times. So you start associating with he did it, like I can do it. But yeah. back to that start Any of the conversation, excuse. it's like, Context though, like yeah, yeah if massively. he's supplementing vitamin C, doesn't mean you have to. Or That's it. Like, yeah, that one beer might work for Deke because in one, the story is he was over in I think it was Boston. Like they'd invited him to go over there and the pre-race dinner the night before, and yep. this is like current nearly world record all at that stage. And yeah, just had a beer, cracked a beer at the pre-race dinner, and they're all looking at him like, <laughs> "We're paying you to be here. You're meant to run this awesome time." Went out there the next day and ran like a world best time, <laughs> and um. She's just like, no worries, guys. So then I'm still holding on to that like yeah, 20 yeah. years later, like, Deke can do it, I can do it. Yeah. But like, I don't know, is it like, is it good for you? What's in beer? Like was wheat it? and stuff? Like Everything in moderation, including moderation, including moderation. itself. <laughs> no, that's it. The dose makes the poison, I think. It's, uh, and especially with alcohol. So like, you generally, I mean, there's been this sort of idea around alcohol and standard drinks and whatnot for quite some time and there was always this sort of probably pervading idea that if you had, if you drank in moderation and moderation might be one standard drink per day for females and, and two per day for a male, um, that you generally would not do, you wouldn't do any damage, there would be no issue um, and there may be some mild cardiovascular benefits but there has been if if, if you, it, but, both of us just look at each other if you if you if you look at it a bit more closely you realize that generally i think that it doesn't really benefit uh anyone outside of middle age that are female in moderation so mm. otherwise it's, it's it's basically neutral or or not good right. um you know, but <laughs> but when you look at the, the minutia of the detail, this is kind of what shows up. But again, if you find the context in that situation, that'd be the general take home. The any study has, uh, you know, the studies always report the averages, so they don't necessarily report the 
the individual differences. They're not really concerned with what one particular, but they're more concerned with what the group have. And so they generally give a study generally is considered more powerful if there's more people involved in the study. Um, But if you look at intra-individual differences within any study, you'll see that there's a huge range. So, you know, Ben spoke about protein before, you know, when when it comes to protein recommendations for athletes, like, there is quite a bit of a range. There's no one size fits all. Um, and you tend to find that there's, again, genetics are at play, um, training histories at play, like how, how, like if you're a novice, intermediate, or an advanced trainee in your field as to how much protein you should be having, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So with alcohol, the dose really does make the poison. I, I think, you know, if you look at just the pure physiology of it and you go, oh, well, most of the research for the most part says that alcohol is not really great for us. You know, the body of evidence is saying that. There's some papers that say it's it's it may help cardiovascular health. You could look at, you could take out what you wanted to take from it. But at the end of the day, I think it's kind of like, um, if you do it in moderation, I think from, again, from a, from a behavioral or psychological perspective, it's it can sometimes be an okay thing because you're not, sometimes you just you know a beer with dinner here or there is just a a a generally normal thing to do or it might make you feel a bit better or you might have had a really rough day and you come home and you just just the idea of cracking a beer Mm. is naturally just makes you just feel a bit better and it may not be anything physiological at all it might just be psychological and if that if that makes someone feel a bit better um and they're doing that in subtle moderation without going absolutely berserk all the time then i think that it's not a bad not a bad thing to adopt so not that I'm promoting alcohol um, on this yeah. podcast, but at the same time I'm saying well, I think that the idea of moderation is really, really important yeah, and context. Job. Drop a yeah. summary that. And I guess back to the point when Benny before like smashing protein fight out and stuff, do you see a lot of these kind of like flavour of the month almost like diet cult? Like we saw it seeing it big with the veganism at the moment. We're seeing it big with the um what's the oh, the real um back in the day Paleo. Uh, paleo, that's the word yeah. I was looking for. Um, you know, what else was I, oh, hearing heaps of stuff about like gut health and stuff at the moment, like yep. kabuchas selling out everywhere. Like yep. that seems to be a bit of the flavor of the month stuff. Like, yep. what do you know and what should we be doing? Uh, when it comes context. context. Give us the new flavor when, when of the it, month. When it comes to this, <laughs> here's the media thing again, but you know, when it comes to the best diet, um, which is another question you get, you know, you get asked a lot. It, low it, carb, that's another one. Low carb, ketogenic, ketogenic, ketogenic diets. Ooh, and I've done that. You were doing yeah. three, and, three and uh, five and two, whatever five and it was. Two, yeah. yeah. I mean, you look at, basically when it comes down to, when it comes to diets, um, it comes down to, the best diet is essentially the diet that you can stick to. And and what I mean by that is that if someone's goal is weight loss, um, it doesn't necessarily matter what approach they take so long as they can adhere to it over a certain amount of time to lose that weight that they want to lose. Now, it, it becomes a bit different when you're talking about weight maintenance or you want to stay at a steady rate. You need to start to fine-tune things a little bit more. But when it comes to weight loss, um, you know, the idea of a caloric deficit or an energy, I mean, you know, really is the important part so making sure that energy in is less than energy out that that's really the the quintessential part of that equation the big but how people go about that it doesn't really worry me too much so long as they enjoy it and they can adhere to it and so whether that's a ketogenic diet whether that's a vegan diet a paleolithic diet and they're this darkly different um but then you have to start to fine tune as to the, what the goal is for that individual so if someone is a a, a power lifter or a strength strength athlete then 
generally when it comes to ensuring they get enough protein and enough carbohydrate for their lifts is really, really important. Likewise, with runners, they need that same amount of carbohydrate to perform. But one, one of the things, that, I mean, I probably see this a bit, and you guys could tell me a lot about this in, in the running world, but like one of the biggest things that probably pops up a bit is that the uh, I've generally seen a bit of a theme of, well, runners probably don't look at protein as as, as important as what carbohydrate is, whereas, and they'll say a lot of the time, oh, we'll con- concentrate a bit more on carbohydrate, protein's more for the lifting guys and stuff like that. And the irony a lot of the time in long distance in endurance runners is they need a, a lot of protein too because um, they're essentially you know, getting into those latter parts of a race. They're, they're starting to, to break down protein. And so if you look at the Australian Institute of Sport recommendations even, you'll see that there's a higher – endurance runners have a much higher intake of protein than what, um, what even strength athletes are. And that's just by sheer volume and intensity of work that they're doing. Um, so you know, protein intake is one thing. And, and when it comes to uh, – you know, strength athletes, they generally don't need as much, but they think they need a whole lot more. Like Benny's example before, mm-hmm. like you think you need so much more than you actually do to actually retain muscle mass, but it just doesn't seem to be the case, you know. But Yeah, that's an interesting point about runners because I often think about, and I think a lot of runners would probably think the same way. You want to put the fuel in that's going to get you through the session. So the carbs, like, got to, got to hit enough carbs before to have the energy in the session. Yeah. Then the session's over and you're like, all right, we got through that. So you kind of relax the the come down it's like i should have that protein shake or i should be focused on nutrition after the race but yep. i find i'm much more i don't know if i just relax things because i'm like all right the session's done now just focus on you know getting to the next session not recovering from if that makes sense like yep. it's yeah i'm much more focused and routinely about what i eat before a workout yep. whereas when i come home from workout it's like all right, what's hooking around? Like Carly's amazing. Mm. She'll have like a no protein shake in the fridge ready to go mm, just put in yeah. the new sport. Whereas I don't know if it's just my thinking, but I can imagine it's the thinking of a lot of runners mm. that we always want to just get there. And then once we got there, we're like, just chill. It's probably Definitely. where the thinking needs to be altered to you finish that run, then you, then the next meal is preparing for the next run. Yeah, yeah it's a good way to look at it. Yeah. yeah. So Because isn't there a need, window as well? Like yeah, yeah, especially with carbohydrates, the first... 30 minutes and then and then basically drops off every 30 minutes after that it gets yep. less and less replenishment in the, especially in the even up to the first sort of four hours you know that carbohydrate replenishment's really really important um to refill muscle glycogen at the optimal rate um particularly if you've got a, an upcoming bout happening so if you're doing two a days or something crazy yeah um then <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah every day then then the carbohydrate intake I mean, so because like you said before, a lot of athletes, especially endurance athletes, concentrate on pre-workout nutrition. They concentrate on intra-workout nutrition, but the post-workout nutrition is very easy to neglect. Um, you, you, you flip the switch and turn it to strength athletes and the bodybuilders are yeah. jumping out of the gym, yeah. slamming yeah. their shakes down yeah, the within 30 minutes. Before they even get out the door. Before they get out the yeah, door. And, oh, that was me and for sure. That's, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, look, it, there's nothing harmful about that idea, but there's been really good stuff to suggest that you don't have to do that. It's a game within three to four hours if you sort of get that protein in after your workout then you're generally going to be okay but you know again the it's such a again that idea of just post-workout where you want to get home and you just want to relax a little bit mm-hmm. and take it a bit easier um if you're not going to be slamming yourself within you know, again you probably can chill out a little bit more you know overnight but if you're doing something in the morning and then doing something in the afternoon it's probably a good idea to to concentrate a bit on that post-workout 
carbohydrate intake yeah because well. isn't oh. even it like this might have something to do with it my friend julian um psychologically he said that say you finish your workout and like relaxing is better for your hormone reaction like if say you go you finished your workout and then an hour or two later you're having a beer with your mates at the pub bagging the shit out of each other that's going to help your recovery better than if you're at home like looking at all your splits and yeah, documenting yeah. it and doing like, and then thinking, well, I've got to change my plan well, and do would, like this, 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 and this. That would have to raise cortisol, wouldn't it? Definitely. Yeah. Would so. that be like what he's talking about then? Yeah. There's, there's that thing we talked about at the start, like that cortisol spiking, that idea of acutely stressing the body and raising cortisol um, will happen if, you are, if, if you're more meticulous. I mean, nothing wrong with being meticulous at times, but if you're being more meticulous straight after, and his example probably just paints the point of, I mean, I can't speak for him, but I think it paints the point of your relaxing after, after a big workout is a really good thing in terms of rest, recovery, recuperation. And they're really, really important. You know, they're, they're things that I think we, we... I mean, I sound like I'm sort of beating a drum with that, but we generally take the rest and recovery part for granted a lot of the time and think that we can probably get away with a little bit more than, than usual with our sleep and whatnot. But it seems to be the big part of the triad with food and exercise, you know, is that recovery component. And, and cortisol can be um, produced through um mental stress and fatigue is that right yeah yeah and from yeah. lack of sleep so yeah 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 well there's Heaps also a relationship between like your brain and your testicles and stuff isn't it like is that in um sorry I'm is that go anecdotal evidence or? <laughs> yes i'm gonna go back two steps um so the step so when my testosterone was low one of the things was that i had a mri no what are those x-ray things called on my testicles to make sure it wasn't the stress coming from my brain, the, the psychological stress, yep. to make sure everything was kind of working, which it was. But then it was like the overtraining symptom of the distance running. But yeah, can't you be your cortisol can go through the roof if you're just stressed as, which then impacts your testicles and then you don't produce testosterone. Yeah. So there's yeah. So so testosterone is like it's. It's secreted. Ultrasound, that's what I got. Ultrasound, okay, yeah. yeah. So it's secreted. It's secreted in the testes, but it, it sort of the the stimuli for it. A lot of the time, it can come. A lot of stimuli comes from input from the brain as well, in the hypothalamus, and um, and so it regulates a whole heap of different things: hormones, temperature regulation, um, and so when you're looking at the the way the testosterone secreted, uh, the brain does have an indirect role or a function in that as well and um, if the brain perceives that there is a pretty marked deficit of energy um, or it's just not able to get enough energy to, to perform normal functions then things will naturally start to slow down um, metabolism slows down um, hormone synthesis so the creation of new hormones be it testosterone or otherwise generally team seems to slow down um, and things like cortisol, what happens is that the receptivity or the, how sensitive cells become to cortisol increases drastically. So um, the more stressed we get, the more the cells respond to cortisol, if that makes sense. So, you know, you generally just get more water retention because it drags in more water. And, and, um, and I mean, there's a whole host of other things going on. But when it comes to the testosterone element, it's definitely not just local. It's definitely something there's, there's definitely elements associated with the central nerve system as well. Yeah, yeah, right. 
We're getting deep here, Benny. It's good. <laughs> how, how knowledgeable is he? So, though? what would be? So, our cortisol would be going through the roof when we're like in a in a hard workout. So, say Benny today when he's like half thinking, like this isn't working. I'm pushing. My heart rate's probably yeah. through the roof. Like, is his stress reaction huge? Cortisol is. It's funny. Cortisol does get. We're looking at and labeling cortisol in this as as a probably a bit of a villain, but it's not necessarily. It's really important in helping us wake from our our sleep in the morning. So it depends on the acute versus the chronic pulses of cortisol. So hormones generally work in pulses. Um, they don't sort of constantly go on and off. They they sort of rhythm like they rhythmically work throughout the day. Um, and cortisol in acute bouts is actually. A good thing for us um it helps us fight or flee in a situation of danger so that with adrenaline is another one so we might we should have had a kick in today i would have been able to move a bit quicker <laughs> should, should have let a dog off the yeah that's the right <laughs> seeing how fast you went <laughs> wouldn't have pulled out that's it and that's Shit, it no, that's been. they're the acute spikes they're like if if you're you know you go back to the evolutionary example is if someone's in the jungle and they see a lion then their impulse is to flee um or if they're game they'll fight you know but generally they'll flee um, <laughs> punch a lion <laughs> and that that acute spike of cortisol and, and associated adrenaline generally is a good thing but the it's the chronic cortisol secretion that causes the the physiological and the psychological stress and the issues that tag along with that over time so um you know it, it doesn't breakdown fat breakdown is is diminished and so we we have we're in a potentially where we're holding on to more body fat where we could otherwise be burning it now that's never a good situation because body fat in general the more body fat we have the the worse it is for our cardiovascular health and, and a few other things so cortisol in in a chronic secretion state is not a good thing but in an acute phase during a run um, and things like that. It's definitely not a, a, not a bad thing. It's actually it's a beneficial thing. You need it, um, and to wake up in the morning, you need it. So it just again comes back to that context. Yeah. Yeah. So it's more play in the re- in the post run and the recovery stages that if you're getting those chronic uh, about uh, waves or whatever you're referring to as, yeah. that's where it's more detrimental than. Yeah, definitely right. Whereas yeah. the testosterone isn't that like massive in the morning and then it just drops throughout the. Whenever I to get blood tests, they're always like first thing in the morning because an afternoon blood test won't show an accurate reading. I think so. I, I'm not as 100 certain on this, but I'm pretty sure you're right. I'm pretty sure the pulse is is AM and then it sort of declines throughout the day. I can't be sure. I'd have to check, but um, growth hormone certainly like that, um, and, and it. It sort of is raising for the most part while we're sleeping. Um, testosterone, I'm not 100% sure about, but I'm pretty, that sounds right, but I'd need to double check that one. So. Yeah, and back to that strength stuff, like everyone should be lifting weights, shouldn't they? Everything I keep reading, hearing. Yeah. Like especially, because doesn't it, um, the big thing is, I think not so much to like strengthen your muscles and stuff, but that uh, growth hormone release. Am I on the right track? Like, they think, uh, look, I'm probably going to, I'll come from, I'll, like this is my my bias is that I do lift weights, so I mean I'm I'm going to sort of encourage people to lift weights, but it's not at the end of the day. If you saw him, you would take his advice. <laughs> we'll put a photo on the Facebook yeah. page or something. If, yeah. you, <laughs> if you are, if, if you uh, at the end of the day, the exercise is the same, similar concept to the diet in the context, but it comes down to what. Um, form of exercise you can stick to and that you enjoy and Benny and I have had this conversation it, it, it really comes to because exercise in all forms is fantastic for us um, it really comes down to what you enjoy and what you're going to adhere to because if someone joins the gym and they find out within a month or two that they dislike it and they're not going to do anything but they say I love walking my dog and going out for a ride three times a week then I would encourage that they do the latter 
rather than try and lift weights for the sake of it. But if people had the motivation to lift weights, then I would absolutely encourage that. And that comes back to um, sort of geriatric or elder, elder people's health as well, where osteoporosis is quite common, so bone weakening disease, muscle mass declines, and Aboriginal people, because of those stats, again, we didn't talk about this before, but you know we're generally living on average you know, nine if you're a female and 10 years sort of if you're a male respectively less than non-indigenous people um and those stats have subtly improved but not by very much um so if you're looking at if i'm addressing it from an aboriginal australian population or a non-aboriginal australian population i'd say that if we can lift weights into middle age and as we get older um it's a really good thing because uh it, it helps with our function our mobility our capacity to move around and if we lose our muscle strength then getting up out of a chair or getting up mm-hmm. off of a toilet seat with age is a real common thing so and- is there? A, uh, I think I uh, read or heard somewhere that there's a direct correlation between leg strength and, and your quality um, of life and also it can impact on your uh, length of your life as well. So the strength and being able to also move quickly obviously it prevents a fall is one of the big ones i think so yeah so that comes from the idea that with osteoporosis and bone weakening they have a much higher susceptibility of hip fracture and then when the hip fracture happens generally the time thereafter that the the quality of life really goes downstream Mm. so when that is accounted for in terms of strengthening your leg muscles then you're much more likely to actually enjoy a, a much more functional lifestyle you're less likely to break anything and still keep enjoying yourself so there's a huge huge element to that definitely yeah it's funny i was reading last night as i said i read too much last night but one of the things i read (laughs) (laughs) one of the things i read last night was um uh a correlation between uh uh muscle mass in your legs um and your overall weight and glycogen storage so obviously well, not obviously. I think it said something like with the larger uh, muscle mass in your legs, you have the ability to be able to store glycogen more readily. Would that be right? Or well, we obviously have to train for glycogen, but yeah. for glycogen storage. But I think it said, if, yeah, if your leg size is uh, is on the slightly higher end, I guess, it's it's uh, it can be helpful in a marathon situation for sure. So I'm going to get Brady squatting. <laughs> I've been trying to do some squatting. I've been... Uh but it kills me. I like even squats about weight. It's good. I think it's good. I'm getting adaptations and stuff there. I noticed but, your um, booty had grown a little bit. Hey? I noticed your butt had grown a little bit. I it's starting to... The other day on that couch behind you there, I was bit... Because I was listening to this interview on um, Marathon Talk and they were talking this ultra runner. Mm. Because my big beef with like doing the squats and the lunges and stuff like that is it hurts my legs, which I get that stuff's yeah. happening. But then it takes me four days. Yeah. So then I have four days of poor training. I've got to pull out of sessions and stuff because I actually can't get biomechanically the way mm. I want to run. And but then, sorry, but yeah, she was saying that to still get this growth hormone reaction, she's like, so she's doing like bicep curls and like mm. bench press. So all this stuff, upper body, which yeah. I don't care if my upper body's sore because as long as my legs can still tick over at the same pace. So yeah. I've got some old old shed weights the other day and I was doing like bench presses laying down on that okay. couch and like yeah. big bicep curls in the mirror. Like I'm I thought that like, shirt yeah. looked a little bit tighter yeah, on yeah, you today. Yeah, the most oversized yeah. shirt I've got as well, yeah. 
<laughs> but I was just like, all right, so maybe if this stuff, maybe that's yeah. how I can get away with it. And yeah. especially with a marathon in like five weeks. Yeah. Four and a half weeks now. Mean, I can't afford to be like doing squats and then losing four I was going to say. Yeah, well, it's probably something where you need to – because what you would find is if you did started squatting regularly, your recovery time would reduce. Mm. Like you might, you might do it. I know you don't normally have a scheduled day off, but you might have a, an just a day with an easy run. You could do it the afternoon before maybe the easy run. Yeah. And the other way Troy might be able to back this up um, is with I think it's mainly compound movements, which are multi joint movements when you're doing your weights. So basically, shoulder presses, bench presses, yeah, yeah. squats, deadlifts, um, even rows. So bent over rows with your dumbbells, like they're compound movements. Um, so that stuff might be able to... Because all that stuff would still be triggering that hormone yeah. stuff without smashing yeah. your legs. The worst thing I did though, because I did those squats, just squats last week, pulled up sore, got a, okay, got three days later, I was all good to go. But yeah. then the next week I did squats, then I did like hopping, then I did like yeah, box right. jumps and I just added like another five Yeah, you things. just jumped into it. So then I got sore again and then I signed up for this marathon in Japan earlier. So I'm just like, yeah, yeah now I, I can't afford to be... You have to do it before your marathon block starts. Do, yeah. do your squats because yeah, you, your body will adapt and you'll recover quicker. So yeah. you won't have as much trouble getting to your sessions. You might, you might be sore on your easy run. And, and the then you'll be recovered by, yeah, do your session yeah, Thursday. Yeah. Hey, back to that 10% thing with the indigenous, like, why, like, is that because, is that impacted because of indigenous people in the communities? Because I'm looking at you guys as indigenous, like, there's no way yeah. you guys are going to die 10 years. Like, we're living in same area, same mm. diet, same exercise kind of thing. But is that because there's a higher number of percentage of Indigenous people living in Indigenous communities and that's bringing that statistic up or down? The 10-year Yeah, 10-year, sorry, 10-year, yep, yep, not yep, 10%. Yeah, sorry. Um, uh, yeah it's, it's pretty complicated because there's a massive diversity of us and every culture is very unique, uh, and, and but every tribe is also very unique based on where it is and where it's situated and, and essentially what sort of happened. Um, but again, the statistics are reported as the average, uh, yeah. and that's what that's what the point of that sort of stuff is. You, you, the intra-individual differences are really, really important to look at for context because you, you need to look at the lifestyle factors as well, but there is there's clearly genetic factors and sort of metabolic catch-up is probably another one where yeah. it's probably not very well looked at um, in terms of, I mean, you look at our diabetes incidence is another really big mm. one. We just, we just a, a lot of um, Aboriginal people that, you know, like Benny and myself have sort of got a bit of a, a mixed background as well, um, have sort of, especially some European descent, you're generally just by default able to metabolise sugar a little bit better. I think with our mob, it's a it's it's very understudied. It probably needs more work. But if you just look at the sheer number of, of Aboriginal people with type 2 diabetes, it, it mm. probably paints a pretty good uh, indirect picture of, of what's going on with, with how we're coping with, with the Western diet and what's going on in that regard. Uh, definitely needs to be a lot more work to be done. But that age gap, like I said, it is really just an average. It's not, um, you know, that's it, not to say that you know, Ben and I are, are destined to be sort of not doing as well, you know, you yeah. know um, but it just means that if we, if for the most part, it's, it's, it's an alarming statistic at the same time to still be working toward. And that's why sort of things like the Closing the Gap initiative and whatnot have been put in place because they, they need 
these things need to really be addressed, you know, like it's... Well, it's, well you add in there suicide rates and you also add in um, imprisonment, what are we calling? Imprisoning? No, what's the word when you're in jail? Incarceration. Incarceration, Incarceration yeah. yeah. Just trying to put prison and incarceration <laughs> together. But they're both, you know, way higher too, aren't they, mm. for Indigenous people in Australia? Yeah, and then you, and it flows on to deaths in custody. Like, it, yeah, yeah. It's, it, you can look at it and there's a, it's a pretty grim picture, I suppose, and then... Yeah, it depends what but angle you're coming from. At, I hear those stats, but all the YouTube yeah. guys, I'm just like, it's oh, a completely yeah. different picture. Well, and as Troy said... Um, it's average, yeah. Well, yeah, there's that. And then, yeah, it's a, and then you look at other, even Aboriginal people possibly in this town um, who, who maybe have a bit of a lower socioeconomic um, condition that they're living in. Um, and we have, yeah, we just maybe came in, we were a little bit luckier in that, being born into... Um, you know, a family that's maybe a little bit better off financially and gave us opportunity as kids and, and um, different, yeah, and we just a little more. Also, then you make decisions to educate yourself because we had, we were privileged to go, well, we want to study this, whereas other people may be right, in yeah. a position where they can't, they don't have that luxury. They've just, they're just surviving. So yeah. they've got to get the cheaper thing. They've got, they don't have the time to sit down and worry about reading about nutrition they're just mm. trying to get by day to day week to week yeah. whereas we are a bit like possibly a little bit more comfortable in our in our upbringing and you know that's nothing to be ashamed of but we it's probably just something to be grateful of if anything Definitely. yeah well that's where you're in a position to then make an impact as well which what both you boys are doing you know pretty yeah. common and you guys are involved in community and the way yeah. you sing your songs but you know what i mean like you're trying yeah. to doing this podcast is probably you know we're just sitting around for a couple of hours talking about this kind of stuff it gives a gives people an opportunity here yeah. yeah and you know i think there's still um i think uh there's still a lot of education to be done on the on the diet so it's more and i know like young kids you see heaps of uh, um, aboriginal kids that are really active now and aboriginal young adults that are really active now i've noticed around you know in from teenagers and and uh in their 20s and um the funny thing was and i was i got asked to go and be a part of uh this workshop um, helping with uh, raising awareness for bowel, bowel cancer testing, and um, what the job was to go in and with the local community and write a song about it and talk. You know, that'll give us their stories. And the guy that was our point of contact on the ground was a bowel cancer survivor, and um, so it was obviously um, something really close to him. And he was someone that was really relatable to in that situation. And then lunchtime rolls around. And he orders like 20 large pizzas for people's lunch and brings in all these bottles of soft drink. And I was turning around like, we've just had this discussion, dude, about how diet has such a detrimental effect on the body and it can it's uh, it can be carcinogenic and contribute to bowel cancer. And he's just feeding it to kids and like and young adults and stuff. And just, yeah, it can be a little bit frustrating when you kind of, people have had that first-hand experience. But so I guess it's just down to people like, all of us, but people like Troy who are really making it bleedingly obvious and giving people as much information in that, in a, I suppose, what's a really, uh, something that's very consumable for them too. You need to be able to take it in and, and make it stick because Troy's got all the knowledge in the world. I think it's just sometimes just passing it on podcast <laughs> yeah, i think so we got to 40 in the charts but troy could be like he could be the guys um yeah it's a funny that but that's a bit of a culture thing as well though isn't it that yeah treat people whenever we on school excursions the kids know that the bus goes through max on the way home yeah, like right. it's a 
like when they all get a frozen Coke, a 40 cent cone, and it's happened. For 40 cent cone. They're not 30 cents oh, anymore. Oh, they're 40. I, think they're, I think they're 40. I don't know. No, obviously but I'm it's just like, back and I've all. got massive problems because you're, you're, yeah. you're doing a health unit at school telling the kids, like, yep. we're putting yeah. the sugar in the cup. This is how much sugar all these drinks have got yet. It's like a part of that culture that, yeah. yeah. I remember when we won our first basketball game and, like, under 10s, the coach all bought us a, hmm. an ice cream or a Coke or something. Like, yeah. sugar was the reward. Um, yeah, it's funny. You're right. That's that's a cultural thing, isn't it? Yeah, like, we're, it's 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 what we do. We so, we focus on food with celebration, and like I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong. It's just the type of food that we use. Like you look at, um, I get uh, say some European or Mediterranean cultures where, you know, they do eat pastas and oils and stuff like that, and they they live they're quite healthy and. Yeah, our version is let's go to Maccas and stuff our heads with cheeseburgers. Yeah. Well, I guess once upon a time that was the maybe the treat when you went on a school excursion once a term. But yeah. then the kids are also going home and having yeah, a can of Coke and they've also had Coca Pots at breakfast and all those kind of things. So mm. it's not it's not the treat anymore, it's your body's just used to that and that's just what you do. So maybe that yeah. shift is I guess back to the, the party thing we were talking about before. Mm. Once upon a time you went to a school party and that's you got the whole bag of lollies and unless you were going yeah. to the shop, that was the only other time you ate lollies. Yeah. Or to yeah. your or to your cousin's house. Yeah, <laughs> honey Dick used to hook us up. It was sweet. She knew we were coming, so she'd just stock up. Yeah. Yeah, and also talking about <laughs> talking about um you know, how um memories of your childhood and stuff like that. It's so true. Like whenever I think of like where you used to live, uh down uh, Anne Struthers Annesley Street yeah. yeah I'm sitting in your bedroom with a playing the Sega and eating uh, remember pizza used to do the Bigfoot the big squ- big right. rectangle That's pizza right. yeah. Yeah. you also remember the advertising around it it was on like <laughs> yes. all your school Killed shows it. like totally wild you watch that after That's school right. yeah. it's advertising these like yeah. Bigfoot pizza <laughs> <laughs> they were just they were doing this over they've been brainwashing us for a long time oh, haven't they yeah, yeah it's, you got to shake it off well the big thing in the news at the moment is about the sugar tax and stuff so like Troy you're all over that and like a, a yay or a nay but is that just money like it's never going to happen because there's too much money in it no yeah, I think so. I had a conversation with this uh, about a, a guy asked me about this literally yesterday in the library, Brady. And I, like, you know, I wasn't. Doctor Troy just I, in the library teaching our like I know. one-on-one yeah. like lectures. Um, imagine being days. him in the gym and trying to get a workout done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. No, he was. Um, he, you know, he was a nice, he was a nice guy, and we were just talking about this this concept of sugar tax. And he just asked me about it, and I, you know, I think that if you sort of look at the the people that are taxed on say cigarettes or um it it doesn't really seem to be overly effective like people are paying you know upwards of i don't even want to know it's probably a dollar or more a cigarette or something now and then you know there's been a recent talk about a tax for draft beer off the tap at a pub um and and you know i think it it probably misses the forest for the trees kind of thing it's an idea that sort of tries to uh cater for everyone rather than it doesn't necessarily reward people that make sort of some some different choices to others so i mean i and when you sort of look at the metabolism of sugar um you know it's it's not inherently an a bad thing uh sugar is not in and of itself necessarily evil because there's so many different forms of sugar and you know you take fructose and, and fruit sugar so you know if you eat a piece of fruit you know it's it's basically going to be really beneficial for us um but it's been translated as fructose is too much fructose is really bad for us and it's not good for the liver and it's like you know if you're eating whole fruit 
it, it's really hard to overconsume fructose. But if you're eating very concentrated forms of it, then sure, then you know it's probably a bit more concerning. So to dumb that down, you're saying it's okay to have two bananas because your or no two apples because your body will get the fiber with those apples. Absolutely, and it will know that you you don't need any more of this. The fiber, Whereas the if water, you blend the you micronutrients. Know, juice six apples. Yep. and then drink that in a juice, yep. natural apple juice, no added sugar, yep. that ain't good for you. That's not. And I mean, generally, it's, it's, I mean, if you have that, you, you, you're basically knocking out all of the fiber. Um, you're concentrating the sugars. Some minerals are susceptible to, um, or some, some vitamins are susceptible to destruction based on conditions, be it heat, be it light, you know, exposure. So, um, you know, depending on how much you modify or process or refine something, um, generally depends on how good or bad it can be. So the, generally the more refined or processed something becomes, the worse it will be for us as yeah. a general rule. So we're not even talking about the cartons of of juice that don't say no added sugar. Like this is like imagine yeah. those juices that yeah. have been juiced L concentrated and then yeah. chucked in a stack of nat- of, of uh, processed sugar as well. Massively. And people think they're doing the right thing. Like you, they do. They really yeah, 100% do. Hundred percent natural sh- sugar, uh, natural yep. juice. Put in a glass with your breakfast. Yeah, marketing for your, for, yeah. Your, for your iron intake. Yeah. Marketing power at work. With your kind of steak. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and parents can you know get caught up in that. Like Ben mentioned it earlier, like with, with you know lower socioeconomic status and and people that are not in a, more of a privileged position to have an education or, or to to go through school. And parents literally will do anything they can to make sure their sh- their kids are going to be okay. But if they're given this idea that they they think they're doing the right thing by giving them a fruit box or a fruit juice or something. You know, it's really hard because, you know, they'll get an ad on TV that says that it's got no added sugar, it's fantastic for them. And, you know, some of the parents, you know, it's, it's not necessarily their fault that they don't know any better because self-efficacy, which is this concept of, of people knowing inherently what sort of a, a good decision for them to make, be it in their health or something like that, generally scales up as people become sort of more schooled or more educated so if people don't have the opportunities to do that um, they're not necessarily going to make as as healthy a decision as someone who is so you know this is where well five star ratings if you guys five star the rating system terrible. yeah that's another one you paid attention yeah. to those like the ratings on like the uh, products in the supermarket I'm, yeah it's like uh, milo's like five stars like milo bars milo's yeah. Yeah. Like, i'm yeah. starting the milo diet tomorrow <laughs> all that stuff I'll let you know how it goes there's some terrible ones that are like five star oh, yeah and that's the same thing so our parents doing the right thing hey i'm just gonna go around the supermarket and yep. buy it gonna go to the snack mm. section for my kids lunch boxes i'm only gonna buy five star stuff it's like the muesli bars that have got 20 grams of natural Man. sugar, uh, of uh, processed or natural. Like, you know, yep. you start breaking down dates and sultanas and yep. we're not meant to eat dates and sultanas nah. that way. Yeah. It's like you can eat a whole handful of dates. Oh, yeah. But if you tried to, I should have used grapes, grapes, but if you, uh, sultanas, but you try to eat that many um, Full grapes, grapes, your body will say, no, 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 we're that's not going to have that much because you're giving right. me way too much sugar in the fiber with it. Yeah, that's right. And then the water content is is in a whole fruit is mm. substantially higher. So you, water's very satiating. It fills you up a lot more, you know. And you know, so it, all these things that sort of we're we're missing out on, so to speak, from refining and dehydrating and whatever we're doing. Um, look, it, it's it's not inherently a bad thing. It's just it's just probably poorly. The message is poorly conveyed, and companies are doing their utmost to push their product and. And give give parents and kids the wrong idea, and then there's you know there's so much stuff like that out there that this is this goes back again to what you sort of 
trying to, to fight the good fight, so to speak, and trying to promote healthier options and healthier choices. And the five-star rating system, like you said, that I mean, that's an interesting one because you'll look at some foods and you can look at the nutrition panel or you can just pick up food as it is and go, and this is going to be good for me. Generally, if you stick to the, the classic one, you stick to the outside of the supermarket, you know, the, the frozen section, the fruits, the vegetables, the yeah. meats, the dairy, um, you know, you're generally going to be a lot better than the middle aisles where everything's packed and preserved and, you know. What about yeah. bread? Do you, eat, you guys both eat bread? Yeah. I ate a bit of it, yeah. Isn't it like the inflammatory, like profile of bread though is just just no good i think i was listening to joe rogan he's ketogenic that's why he's not but i could yeah. not operate on my training without bread yeah. i think bread i think bread again it depends on the type of the bread so you know you you it depend and it depends on who you read and what they say. So, if you look at who's paid for saying who's paid for yeah. yeah. So if if you know if you look at whole grain or multi grain, I mean, look, generally bread in in I mean this might sound a bit cliche, but in it's more of a natural state in terms of if it generally has if it's using things from the whole grain or if it's got mm, more seeds, seeds and things like that in it, it's going to be better for us. Um, generally you start to lose again things like fiber um you'll start to lose um some uh potential vitamin e and some other things as it becomes more and more refined most most white breads now are fortified um with things like iodine with some b vitamins with iron to try and remedy the losses that come from the refining process and look that they they may help but if you generally stick to the whole grain stuff or the multi-grain stuff, you're going to be better off. I don't necessarily agree with everything that the Australian Dietary Guidelines talk about. Um, I think our our generic idea of how many grains and cereals we should be consuming is very it's it's very generic. It doesn't necessarily accommodate to individual differences. Um, uh, but I don't think bread's inherently evil or bad for everybody. I just think that it depends on the individual and what they're doing, you know, and I, and I think an athlete for the most part is that's doing enough work or volume per week is generally going to be okay. If they enjoy bread, um, the inflammatory components and where some of that stuff comes from, I, I think it really only affects very minute parts of the population. My partner, um, you know, she, my fiance, she's, she's uh, got celiac disease, bona fide celiac disease. So she genuinely has to be mindful of, of gluten. If she has gluten, she's very, very unwell. Um, you know, and then there's, then there was scales of something called non-celiac gluten sensitivity. So people have this condition where they may not necessarily get really, really sick like she does, but they will uh, have stomach cramps or they won't. And, and the, to a runner that's you know that's the worst that you don't want that like so it really depends on the context again the situation i don't think bread's inherently bad i just think it depends on the individual and how they can stomach it basically have you had discomfort from eating bread no no i smash bread and yeah. love it and yeah seems to work i yeah, wouldn't worry too much well about it you had a bit of bread for lunch yeah that's what i was eating when you came yeah. around yeah, yeah. yeah. that's yeah, the yeah. thing and that's like me and troy were talking about troy and i were talking about it it's great. Try and yeah. Great. Yeah, it you good. missed it, Brett. Oh, well. Troy didn't even offer him. Any. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, it sounds about right. Good? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Giving you a few beers. <laughs> Sorry, what were you saying? Uh, Troy, and, Troy and I were talking about uh, this the other day, like, and, and Troy alluded to it before, talking about um, studies are just an average because they take a large group. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But uh, a lot of the time, it comes down to individual as well, Brad. If you're not, like, like I'm, fuck, man, I'm a musician, don't quote me any of this, but I feel like, 
if I'm not getting a you know a bad re- if you're eating bread and you're performing well and it's not upsetting your gut or you don't feel like it's you know affecting yeah. you negatively you like it's not like you're obese and you know yeah I think it goes yep. back to what Troy said before about the main question always before you start looking at blood tests or profiles or whatever is how do you feel like if mm. you're getting out of bed in the morning and feeling all right and you've got enough energy throughout the day and it's like well you know that's a big indicator like don't go Massively. Yeah, yeah thinking too much about the blood scores and stuff if if you yeah yeah i don't need to go to uni to know oh. that all right <laughs> some people do some people will go searching it'd be amazing what people search yeah, on yeah. google like, no you're right yeah yeah, just people just, but that's good. That's people are. And maybe it's accessible. That stuff and it's like looking back, definitely. So yeah. hey, this is when I was feeling good. What was I writing in my journal at that time of that's, the year? And that's a really cool strategy for individuals, like you know, keeping a food diary and seeing what they respond. I mean, classic. Another one we talk about bread. Another one that comes up quite a bit is dairy, and you know, I have no problems consuming dairy. I don't seem to have any sort, any form of lactose intolerance or malabsorption. But a lot of, um, you know been in our ancestry that there is you know a huge um percentage of people that have some issues with absorption of lactose so you know subtle things like changing either you know minimizing the amount of dairy that we're having or um or changing the type of it so you know that there's different milk proteins you can have now um and there's lactose free milks you can have but it seems to be weird when you look at something like yogurt which is a form of dairy people don't seem to report as many issues with yogurt as they do with um, other forms of dairy because, and perhaps that, like you talked about earlier, it's got something to do with the gut flora and how it helps um, promote healthier gut flora because of the probiotic content in the yogurt. No one really knows the answers to that just yet, but at least from an, an anecdotal like perspective or a self-reported idea, if, if people feel good eating certain things, then they certainly probably have no need to eliminate them. If, if someone says, oh, you should get rid of this because it... it it's no good for you. I mean, if there's really no overall evidence to suggest that and you still feel great and your performance is fantastic, then I would I would argue why someone feels like they need to eliminate yeah. that. So Which is yeah. what I said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> if you need you don't. <laughs> exactly. I don't need you need to tell me that. <laughs> if it's not hurting me. Well dairy is <laughs> do, you, do you have much dairy Benny? Yeah, milk, um, like so milk? I like to, to, like with my wheat bix this morning. I had cow's milk. My coffee. I, I generally drink black coffee, but if I want a latte, like I don't like a lot of milk though. Like I'll have, I'll have like a piccolo latte or yeah. like a like a double shot. So it's like more coffee, less a little bit less milk, and yep. um, yeah, I don't I like. I don't really. I wouldn't really drink like a glass of milk, but I don't mind a little bit of cheese here and there. But uh, I don't. Like big M's. Yeah, no, I'm not a big M guy. <laughs> two later. <laughs> yeah, Try I'm smoker. Smash it down. Yeah. Um, nah, look, it's uh, moderate levels of, of dairy. Uh, it's not like I go hunting for it, but if I want to have, have it in my coffee, I'll have it in my coffee. And um, like I said, very occasionally, um, cheese. I don't. <laughs> the only reason I had wheat bix this morning because I was out of oats, which was... Yeah, <laughs> and I'll do is just make my oats and then put some coconut milk in it and yeah. some berries, which is yum, but... Um, yeah, I no, was. Need the carb load. Yeah, I had the carb load <laughs> for my fifteen k. I was on a couple. But uh, hey, listen, mate, we're not all elite athletes. Some of us are just weekend I'm warriors. Out of way more sessions than you. Have. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. it's character building. It's character building. You learn uh, more about I'm getting in your pool after this to ice my legs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's set at like twenty nine. Oh really? Get, you won't get an ice. Uh, That's all right. Yeah, but it'd be nice. It'd be nice and refreshing. Um, let's finish up soon, Troy. But five sure. things that every 
every person should at least have in their diet five, five things, five foods. Oof. It's going to benefit everyone. Like surely, Brock. See, this is the thing we market. Hang like, on, you asked the question. Let him finish. The, let him give <laughs> no, you the sorry, answer. I don't want to persuade you, but like back to the marketing stuff. Yeah. Like no one's doing TV campaigns for like broccoli or spinach or sweet potato and like yeah. they're not in yeah. it. Scientists no. aren't in the lab. Maybe like, that's a, there's on, a gap in the like market. The, yeah. yeah. Maybe how we should we start. This, how can we make that? It'd be cheap as to grow that stuff. But yeah, it's back to that. You think about how. I'm giving you some thinking time, really. This yeah, is what I'm yeah. Keep going, man. Hey, I've been in this. After you wouldn't do this now. to me. Chuck <laughs> yeah, is straight under the bus. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like, you think about scientists working in that field and the advertising for, for Mac as compared to the guy who's selling broccoli out mm-hmm. of a farm at yeah. Altona, Altona or something outside of Melbourne. Is there farms there? Broadmeadows? No, uh, nah, mate. I'm thinking like Werribee out yeah, that way. There's heaps of broccoli farms out there. I saw, I saw it on the news the other day. Nice. Good. What well, do you got, Troy? What do you got? <laughs> what was your five things? Um, thought of five well, then? before I jump, can I, for what goal? Do you want me to talk about it for the, go, this oh, okay. audience? Well, what about we go general health? And general then we'll health. go five for... So you mean ten. Oof, okay. Yeah, no, but different five. Okay. Uh, we can do the same five if you want, but let's go five for general health yep. and then go five for people in... Aerobic sports, just because they're our listeners. Okay, they can be um, weightlifters because there's going to be people out there who are sixty kilos on their long run. They're nearly two hours <laughs> into their long run, and they're just like, "Come on, give me the vibe." <laughs> coming up to their driveways. Um, I think in uh, generally, you can never you can never really go wrong with fruits and vegetables. Uh, so there's one and two. Um, yeah, but which fruits and vegetables? Oh, okay. Oh, so you've got to isolate it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's tough. Um, like, so he has to pick... He's got to pick one vegetable, like, one like fruit. Sweet potato. <laughs> oh, you want me to really yeah. isolate like, the foods? Give you oh. people something like Jesus, buy next mate. week at the Do you want him to eat it for you as well? <laughs> Tell me a we, we drill a bit. <laughs> um, oof, wow. Okay, so... John Benny and I to talk for a while. Yeah, I'm going to be the co- <laughs> just so everyone's aware from now on. I'm going to be the co-host of uh, Tell Me Your Tales, just to come in with my one-liners every now and then. <laughs> on all the live shows we do, which are like never we do live shows. I like on live shows. Though. I like on live shows. Jeez, I look. I got to be honest. I don't think I can isolate anything because I, I would hate to neglect something um, at the at, at sort of the detriment of something else that's yeah. good. I, I, I try yeah, and... The Werribee Farmers. It's, <laughs> that's right. I don't want to sort of like... Look after the sponsors. Not give any credits to... Uh, not give any credits. Yeah. yeah. Um, but look, I, I think... Yeah, I mean, I will probably group it. I think that the fruits and veg are... I mean, it's a very basic principle, but if you look at nutrition science in general, there seems to be absolutely... Uh, really, really convincing stuff. And from people's reports that if you... If you eat fruits and veg, you're going to be sweet. Like you're in, you're in very good shape if you generally have fruits and veg as part of your everyday diet. Now it doesn't matter necessarily. One's not necessarily better than another. Look, you can look at, you can break it down into antioxidant profiles and things like that with certain fruits and certain veg. Um, which you know, you know, if you really want to get particular, you know, you start to talk, talk about things like, you know, you might talk about goji berries or you might start to talk about. Um, uh, what, I, what I mean from a vegetables perspective, people look at kale or you know. Now these are great foods, but they're not 
necessarily more magical than than broccoli or blueberries or strawberries it it, it really does come down to taste preference because some people might really dislike the taste of these foods and if, if i were to say those things and they're like well i don't like those i'm not going to eat those then i'm not uh, all of a sudden i feel like well i'm saying that and not giving yeah. kudos to the other fruits and veggies out there so that they would be the first two i think um and this is absolutely i mean i respect where uh, vegetarians and vegans are coming from from a ethical perspective i look at it from an omnivorous perspective i think that you there is really good benefit to be had um from lean meats and in some instances sort of fattier cuts of meats as well um where that sort of uh fat intake especially sort of the you know, the essential fatty acids which are you know the ones that are really beneficial for us and can come through the diet are important so um you know red meat um you know once or twice per week in in you know that you know un- unadulterated sort of thing so like ben mentioned before about the processing plays a really big heart a part in colorectal cancer generally if the meat is unrefined um if it's red the the links start to diminish in terms of its its relationship to to colorectal cancer so that i mean you look at white meats as well like chicken turkey they seem to be really good for us um uh you know you look at the fat content of white meats and, you know, a lot of people presume pretty quickly that animal fat is saturated fat and that's not necessarily always the case. You look at chicken, it's got a very high content of monounsaturated fat, which is the same fat that's in olive oil and avocado and that's really, really good for us. So, um, you know, white meat, fish, it would be another one. So have I ruled off about five there? Are you yeah, looking all right? Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> just the food pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> Look, nuts and seeds never go astray either. Um, you know, any kind, like almonds are great, you know, walnuts, um, they're very high in, in omega-3. We tend to not get enough omega-3, which are what you find in marine-based things. So fish is a classic one. Mm. Um, walnuts are another really good source as well. Is that so, why so many people supplement like fish oil? It seems to be a common one, um, and there has been some pretty good data of late to also suggest that the oil is good, but it doesn't replace how good it is just actually eating fish, yeah. um, which is great, you know, I think because it promotes people to eat food rather than pay extra money for supplements. Um, and, and then for the athlete, uh, for the aerobic or endurance uh, enthusiast, you would probably, you would want to look at... It, it it really comes down to the context of what the situation is. If if they're sort of higher fibre foods, for example, in terms of you talked about past, or bread before, pastas and things like that are fantastic for carbohydrate loading. But if you if you eat a little bit too much fibre prior to a race or something, then it can also cause gastric distress. So you you, you know this might be a situation contextually where you know a more refined carbohydrate is actually advantageous because the digestion, absorption and assimilation of those nutrients happens more quickly than it does if you were to eat fibrous foods that are full of things. So, you know, the night before, great, load up on some of those things that are that are more wholemeal or like um, less refined, uh, probably better carbs to consume. But when you're sort of training, you know, pre-race and prior to any sort of hour or two leading up to a race, then the more simple or sort of sugars and things like that um, may be a better option just because they will be absorbed more quickly for performance purposes. Um, the the water thing, is, I mean, water, if I can throw that in there sort of technically as a, as a nutrient, you know, it's really, really important for hydration status. Um, there seems to be 
I mean, performance detriment is huge when people are dehydrated. So if you are not consuming enough water, then it can start to affect performance uh, quite drastically in aerobic runners, especially aerobic athletes. And, um, and outside of that, you've really got a bit of flexibility. Um, you know, it just depends on, you know, again, the, the variety in the diet, again, goes back to your fruit and veg, the stuff that you, you enjoy eating and the stuff that's, that's generally good for us. And, and for the most part, we know what those things are. You know, I know there's a lot of confusion out there. We talked about that, but your fruits and your veg, your nuts, your seeds, your, your lean meats. Um, your, your legumes are a good source of, of food as well, but they're high in fiber. Um, they're a good source of plant protein, which is, you know, a, a, an advantage as well to get the protein in. And um, you've got a whole different array of options, but they're the main things. I, I know that's a lot, but they're the main things <laughs> I would focus on. They're all those things are good things, right? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, it. yeah. It's kind of the... the I was thinking about when I, like, we have these discussions quite a bit. I'm lucky enough to see Troy quite a lot. Um, but yeah, it's all... You can a lot of the time bring it back to like you, you kind of know this, don't you? Like, there's a lot of it we sort of inherently know anyway, but you kind of need to just giving it, just giving it to you in a, yeah. in a different way sometimes, or reiterated, or the, the latest study. And it's like, yeah, it's um, but yeah, we get, get one of those latest studies about kale coming out as this superfood, and you're like, yeah, it's. <laughs> it's growing in the ground like it wears a, a cape we, we know this yeah, yeah. So if, um, oh, that's important too I think Benny's right and I, but if, if I mean this is sort of a lot of my work does lead me into this scientific stuff and if if you, any listeners or yourself or Benny you got any if there's any stuff that I can't directly discuss or I've missed on here and people are curious about in that sort of sports nutrition realm or domain um, let me know if you've got a, a website or something you can link up to. I can shoot you through some articles that some readers or some, some listeners might have interest in and I can sort of shoot them through to you to sort of attach along or whatever yeah, if they've yeah, yeah. up. So, you can do that for sure, mate. Yeah. good. Hey, uh, my last question every week, every guest gets this same question. <laughs> Benny's had it. Can you remember what you said, Benny? I'll give it to you a question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll give you some more things. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd like to ask uh, the guests if they have a philosophy or a mantra or a life quote that they really like to live their life by, like something that try to keep true to in their life and just the way, not nutrition, not, you know, lifting weights, doesn't have to be anything related to that, but yeah. it's just about the person they are. Can you remember what you said, Benny? Uh, I said, the last time I was on, I think it was something like, um, in the end, none of it really matters. So is Yeah, it, that's right. We talked yeah. about dying and stuff. Uh, yeah. That got no, deep. Oh, yeah, it's just basically like... And then we'll talk about getting stuff named that, after us. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> if well, we get Jack Eddie yeah. Oval named after us, we'll know, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going for the Miami sound shell, hopefully, <laughs> yeah, one day. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. Um, yeah, I think uh, and that came from when I was going through the, like a bit of a, you know, when I was inside my own head too much and overthinking things and I kind of got, I read, I picked it up somewhere, I can't remember, I was doing a lot of reading, I always do, but this one was... Um, the thing you're worrying about, is it going to matter in an hour? Maybe. Is it going to matter tomorrow, in a week, in a month, in a year, in 10 years, in 100 years? Eventually, one day, you'll find that point where like, it's not, it doesn't matter anymore. Like it, So, no matter what you're sweating, like, you know, it's kind of, it goes back to the old don't sweat the small stuff, but also some of the big stuff isn't as big as you're making it out to be. Maybe in your life, but in the grand scale of things, it's it's not that big of a ever deal and it, it's not going to have a huge impact on humanity or whatever it might be so and then I, I went through that uh in a, in a very personal way and that and I, I still use it now if something's getting at me and, and, and I haven't been able to shake it I kind of have to just check myself and go right 
let's have that that thought and then also okay here's the here's the problem what what are the solutions or the solution and or how can I go about uh, implementing that basically and before the one before that yeah, what did you do the first time was uh Possibly something like um, I try and see some of yourself and everybody, yeah. something of yourself and everybody you meet. Yeah. Good. Jeez, you set the standard high, try. Oh, that's a monster. That's <laughs> awesome. I love it. What have you got? Got anything? Oh, look, I mean, I would sort of, I mean, love what Benny said. I think it's, it's it is, I mean, it's, it's very, we live in, I suppose we do, we live in a time where there's a lot of stuff going on around us often. And um, it's very easy to get swept away and caught up in that, um, the traffic of it all and the noise of it all. So uh, if there is a mantra, you know, that I do try and abide by, you know, for the most part, it's to just try and be uh, the best version of myself, to take some time to um, to reflect and, and, and try and practice a little bit of introspection each day to to find what I love doing and keep sort of my passion alive, um, you know, be it with not just with my work but with my family, with with my fiance, with you know everyone around me, my friends. I think that finding that balance is absolutely essential. Uh, and you know, if we continually keep getting caught up in what's happening without taking a step back, sometimes and actually showing a bit of a an introspective look at what we'd like to do or where we'd like to go from now just being present then um you know we're sort of sometimes we're 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 missing out on on some of the the cool stuff that's happening right now so uh i want to enjoy the ride from here through the rest of it um and reflect on the past too is a bit of fun too because you can come up with some awesome stuff but i mean from what i do now and sort of dictates what's going to happen in the rest of time and if i can um just put a little bit of thought into that and enjoy the ride then um, I can't complain about anything. Yeah, yeah. And you're always, when you see Troy, he's always got a massive smile on his face and it looks like he's really uh, enjoying the ride, a very fun person to be around. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Aren't you? Couldn't agree more. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's a pretty happy dude. There's one mood, that's it, with Troy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Maybe I only see you at happy times, but it's uh, it's pretty constant when I see you. Nah, for the most part, I mean, I'm pretty, pretty relaxed. I um, have my moments that only people nearest to me probably see, but I think... Uh, that's the only way I'd like it. I mean, they get to see every version of me, which is the best thing. And um, but if for the most part, that's how it looks, and that's you know, I come across generally as approachable and relaxable, and that's that's great. I'm, I'm happy with that. Well said, mate. Benny, what's Thanks, going mate. up? Gigs, Gigs. singles, yeah. video clips. When's that video clip? Yeah. So um, we're thinking about dropping the video on the 26th of January. This new single yeah. called "Undercover" of my skin. Great song. Um, Good song. We're using that for the podcast opener on the, oh, uh, nice. on the other Inside podcast. Inside running. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've got playing in Williamstown on the 20th of January. Um, I'm playing at in their Summer Sounds series. And I've got Yellicott Willem Nagy Festival, which is the week before St Kilda Festival's main event. Um, playing down there, at, I think it's O'Donnell Gardens. And then it's the Feb third or fourth weekend and then the week after that i'm at um st kilda festival doing a show there and uh feb pretty good lineup too yeah it's gonna be really fun so i got some friends and some uh and some people i admire playing as well um and then i got a few more festivals gonna get announced as the as the weeks next few weeks roll out and uh, also planning a tour with tom richardson we're doing a co-headline tour through 
Um, it's going to be late Feb through to about April, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Yeah, things. Awesome. yeah, website is the easiest way to check it out. And it's always in our show notes because we use your song as the uh, opening closing <laughs> music every week. That's right. Troy, what are you up to? What's coming up next in your life? Uh, much, man. Just enjoying, uh, just enjoying family life, enjoying hanging out with my lovely fiance, who's uh, just a pleasure to spend time with. She's unreal. Um, love my dogs, love my family, my friends. Summertime, can't complain. Everything's just awesome right now, man. And um, finish up my master's degree in nutrition in may so that's super exciting and um and yeah man just it's going to be a rocking year i'm looking forward to everything that sort of happens yeah you said a couple of times that you're not on social media but if someone's uh, really interested in what you said today is there an email address or something they can get you on uh yeah they could if look if they're, if they're curious they want to hit me up i've got a um i've got an email um, I can, they can use my my email at work is um it's troy.walker um at monash Dot edu. So if anyone wants to shoot me a, a related question to some of the stuff we talked about today or nutrition, that's my that's my nutrition um, email. So if anyone's sort of keen on, on hitting me up on that, please uh, feel free to ask away. Beautiful boys. Thanks. Love your work. Done another Thanks, one. Mate. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having us on, Thanks, buddy. Thanks so guys. much, mate.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 